Tuesday, an all-new Buffy event. I'm Willow. Welcome to the House of Chicks, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes, Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 7, Episode 13, The Killer in Me. Not me. We'll be talking about the plot, we'll be talking about the characters, and we will be talking about what Drew Z. Greenberg and David Solomon think about the plot and characters, so spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before and after the comics, and probably other shows and movies. Apparently someone told our listeners that this podcast consists of me taking you two into the desert and doing the hokey pokey until a spooky true crime podcast host appears and talks to you in riddles. And I would say that's 100% accurate. All right. Well, hello. Welcome back. My name is Kelly. I'm here to talk about Buffy with my wonderful co-host, Stacia. Say hello. Hello. And my other co-host, Daniel. Say hello. You're sexy when you podcast. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone's uncomfortable now. I feel like I'm talking really fast, but I'm doing it on purpose because there is so much talking to come as I slow to a halt. We're here to talk about The Killer and Me, <laughs> which originally aired on February 4th of the year 2003, written by Drew Z. Greenberg. This is five of six for him. The last episode that he did was him. Episode six this year. The next and final will be episode 19, Empty Places. Directed by David Solomon, the one that does all the episodes. 18 of 19 for him. Last was Never Leave Me, episode nine this year. And next and finally will be Touched, episode 20. It's so sad. Again, I'm just like, everybody's last episode is coming up. And the show is almost over. And we're already on 13 and there's only 22. Stacia. Did not write the plot this time, mm. but I am going to have her wow. read it because I have so much to say. And also I want her to say all these things. Read the plot. <laughs> I see all of the red underlining and I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I don't edit. I don't edit. I cannot be edited. The potentials go on a vision quest in the off-camera desert. Spike's chip is broken and goes off in frequent random intervals. Willow betrays Tara and me by kissing Kennedy and flirts. You should. Willow betrays Tara and Kelly by kissing <laughs> Kennedy and flirts with a felon. Felony in the process. Side note, in the state of California, the age of consent is 18. Thus, it is a criminal act to engage in sex with anyone under 18. And any person who does so could be charged with statutory rape under California Penal Code 261.5. Also, Google told me that in California, statutory rape involves actors four years apart is a wobbler. It can be charged as either a felony or a misdemeanor. I don't know if that means it's a wobbler only for actors or if the context of the article snippet was regarding actress specifically or what. But for the record, in 2003, Yari, how do you say her name? Yeah, Yari Lyman. Limon, sorry, Irari, yeah, Limon, <laughs> somehow, her, Kennedy, Kennedy. <laughs> the actor, the actress that portrayed Kennedy was 27, Allison Hannigan was 29, Willow, however, was 22, and Kennedy was maybe 16, back to the plot, Willow transforms into Warren, and after kissing Kennedy, Spike and Buffy go on a mission to the initiative to see if they can get into Spike, to get info on Spike's chip, or at least some drugs to dull the ache, Willow and Kennedy go to the Wanna Blessed Bees to get help with Willow sudden one of a half of a Freaky Friday situation. They find Amy chumming with the Wiccas and try to unwarn Willow, but fail. Warren slash Willow, Willow Wren, storms off, and Amy <laughs> confesses to Kennedy that she put a hex on Willow. Xander and Co. go to the desert to check if Giles is the first. He isn't. Spike and... <laughs> Buffy fight a demon at the initiative. Commandos come out of nowhere and say they're here to help. They ask Buffy if she wants them to fix or remove the chip. Warren slash Willow buys a gun and reenacts the 
end of seeing red with Kennedy in the role of Buffy and Tara. Kinda. Kennedy kisses Warren slash Willow, and she turns back into regular Willow. The end. A truncated plot because we ran out Wonderful. of time. That was nice and succinct. So as you were reading that, my little side note about the statutory rape laws in California, I realized that the word actors meant the people involved in the crime yes. and not actors and actresses. Yeah, I thought it was weird you suddenly switched from talking about crime to talking about Hollywood, but that was just like, whatever. <laughs> I'm so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> okay. It's a good okay. thing we don't practice law in the state of California. Or anywhere else. <clears throat> it's true. Would you like to know some facts about this episode? I would love to. Please tell me. I'm so happy! Because I have so many to tell you. Buffy struggles to contact Riley despite the fact that both he and Sam gave the Scoobies their secure email addresses in last season's As You Were. Never forget. You can maybe, get a hold of the doctor if you need to. Maybe Buffy emailed him and he left her on red. <gasps> yeah, probably. Shit. I suspect he's not a very good communicator. Yeah, that's probably true. He's too busy tearing ass through the jungle. We've been tearing ass through tear every jungle. God damn it. Not, not tearing ass. Good if you tear ass. Yeah, that's that's a different thing. He only does with his wife. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the episode Prime Evil, a military committee orders the initiative to be filled in with concrete. Quote: The initiative itself will be filled in with concrete. Burn it down, gentlemen. Burn it down, and salt the earth. But Spike and Buffy seem to have, or seem to be able to take a field trip to the former super secret enclave without any sediment, sedimentary, why did I do that to myself? Without any sedimentary resistance. Drew and David, that being Drewzy Gerberg and David Solomon, bring that up in the director's commentary. Uh, Drew, we learn at the end of season four that the initiative was covered in the cement. David, which is not exactly true, it turns out. But you see some cement falling down there when they open the hatch. Drew, yes. Yes, you see that? They made an effort. Watch. David, here comes the cement. You'll see it if you look carefully enough. There it goes. There's the cement. Drew, the government clearly not doing a great job cementing that place in. Well, I think what really sucks is that we didn't show the earth being salted. And I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the fact that they were just like, look, there it is. There's the cement. Fucking <laughs> David Solomon, man. He's so funny. He should do all the commentaries even on the episodes he doesn't do. This is the last appearance of Elizabeth Ann Allen, who plays Amy on the show. But it is not the last appearance of everyone's favorite former rat. Amy will return in season eight. So, I mean, the last appearance on the, on the, on the show, which, I mean, I know you're very stoked about season eight. How exciting was it to see Amy and Warren? I mean, that's so fun know. just knowing what we're going to know. So, I like I know. that. Each scene with Willow and Warren, or Willow slash Warren, was filmed twice. Once with Allison Hannigan playing Willow and again with Adam Bush playing Willow. David Solomon talks about this in the commentary, saying, first we would have Allison do the scene, and then we would Adam would follow along. But then later, as the story progressed, we would have Adam do the scene first, and then Allison would follow along. So we would have a series of rehearsals, then shooting, then more rehearsals, switch actors, more shooting. So what normally would take five hours took nine hours. It was a lot more mm. challenging than I expected. That scene alone, the one of that you have the picture up right now where they're all in the, the living mm. room right after she transforms, that scene alone was a 14-hour day. So many people in the scene, plus having to do wow. everything twice. Uh, so yeah, so it was, it's kind of, it's a lot more clear when you listen to them talk about it, but yeah, so essentially they literally filmed the entire scene with each actor and it's like, that's a lot. You're, yeah, you're doubling up the, the length of your episode almost. I mean, granted it's only half the episode, but still that's intense. And I think it's a really cool acting exercise. Like yeah. way to go the extra mile. 
because it's like, okay, we want you to imit- imitate kind of Willow, like lock in her mannerisms. And then as Willow turns more into Warren, we're like, okay, now Allison, we want you to imitate what Adam's doing because you're supposed to be Warren now. And it's like, what a nice little touch. They didn't have to do that. Good for them. Yeah. And they pulled off a couple of times where it felt really good. The yeah, two like of them pretty sort seamless. Of mirroring each other. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's good stuff. Anyway. According to Greenberg and Solomon, the reason there are no potential slayers apart from Kennedy in this episode is because the budget wouldn't stretch to allow for extra actors in the commentary during the <laughs> in the commentary during the desert Giles scene. Drew says that the potentials must not hear Giles being attacked, and Solomon responds, "No, the girls are in their tents. They're in their tents tucked away because we couldn't afford them." <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, Andrew suggested the Scoobies play Ghost during their impromptu road trip. Ghost is a word game where you try not to spell a word. It's confusing. I tried to explain it to Station. She's like, what the fuck are you saying? That's not the way you should explain it. (laughs) Well, luckily you can watch a two-minute explainer video from Youth Ministry Great Games on YouTube and get the gist. Because I can explain it. Please. Ghost is where you go around in a circle. Every single person has to add one letter to a word to spell a real word, uh, but you lose if you are the person to use the last letter to spell a word. Yeah, you want to be, you want to make a word, participate in making a word, but not be the one to complete a word. Mm-hmm. And there so are the word ghost, you don't want to be the one with the T at the very end. Exactly. Right. Try to keep it going. Yeah. Okay. And then That's the fine. rules are are kind of like the scoring rules are like horse. So every time you fail, you get the letter, you get a letter, right? So you get G, you get H, and then when you get T. The name of the game, Ghost, by the way, is shortened from the original name of the game. Three-thirds of a ghost, because a player, upon losing, became one, two, and finally three-thirds of a ghost, at which point they would float away and be out of the game. And if that is not some British, that's got to be British. I'm sorry, it just has to be. Three-thirds of a ghost. Ah. Uh, David Solomon broke his finger at some point during the filming of this episode and had to be taken to the hospital for for the day. So David Grossman filled in as director in some of the scenes, the Buffy Willow kitchen scene being one of them. He and Drew talk about this during the commentary, but they never say how Solomon broke his finger. It was driving me nuts. I'm like, can't somebody fucking like, oh, yeah, when you the camera fell on your finger or like something completely innocuous, like when you went to reach for that Pepsi so hard that you slammed your fist into the table and broke your own finger. But they don't mention it. They don't talk about it. I don't know what the fuck happened. We'll never know. Anyway, finally, I mean, yes, finally. And this has nothing to do with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it's very important that I talk about it. One of the websites I use to research the episodes that we do for this podcast is an old BBC site. And I needed to share, speaking of the the British, a note that they had about this episode. Quote, there's mention of s'mores, which are an American campfire delicacy. (laughs) To make them, take a biscuit of some sort, put chocolate on one side, bung a marshmallow on top, and then top with more biscuit. This concoction is then roasted somehow, causing gooey... Goodness oh, to no. result. I can't believe it. Oh, I'm no. not going to believe it. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to skewer an entire s'more assembled know, with your I'm stick so... and roasting the entire fucking thing over the fire? I can only imagine <laughs> British people with like a chopstick type configuration where they're trying to hold it all together and throw it into a fire. So recently, while listening to um, off the Off Menu podcast, they talked about s'more. Somebody brought it up because they're like, oh, wait, you guys probably don't even know what those are. They're like, no, we kind of know what they are, but we don't have graham crackers. Like, they don't have those as a, as a biscuit, as a cookie, so they couldn't do it. And it's just not a thing over there. S'mores don't exist over there. It doesn't make sense. I feel like the Brits would love a fucking graham cracker. Right. They go yeah, wild right? for one. Why not? Uh, so the, whoever the guest was, obviously, an American was like, so what do you guys fucking do at a cookout? A like, campfire, or, you know, yeah. like at a campfire. And they're like... Uh, James was like, oh, well, beans. have you ever... Have we, he said beans, no. absolutely. He legit said beans. Yeah, and then also, he was like, beans. have you ever split 
a banana in half oh, yeah. and then put a Mars bar in the middle and then wrapped it in foil oh. and threw it in the fire. And I was like, oh, no, that, that sounds good. That's a classic. Uh, not specifically the Mars bar, but like chocolate. Mm-hmm. I like that like does sound good. Thing. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. No, no, it doesn't compare to a s'more. I mean, a hot yeah. soggy banana with melted chocolate in the middle. I'd rather just eat a banana and the chocolate. <laughs> That's just me. I mean, there. how would they not have seen like Sandlot? You know, like, you don't know what a right. s'more is? Yeah. Come on, like, what are we doing here? Well, I think that's why they, they know of them, right, for sure. They just but they don't like, do them. But yeah, if you watched, if you know of them because of pop culture, theoretically, the thing that you saw it in would have been do- doing it the correct way, unless they're watching some weird, obscure American thing where they're, like, taking an entire s'more already assembled and trying to fucking shove it into a fire. <laughs> I don't know. There's probably a YouTube uh, video of like cursed s'more making and like yeah, oh, yeah. it's probably old shit. People doing terrible things. Who knows? This is what they do in America. That's incredible stuff. I know I said that was the last thing, but there's actually one more fun fact. But in order to wow. say the fun fact, I had to watch an entire episode of Angel about it. Wow. And that this means is like a sort of angel update. It's time for an angel update. <laughs> Perfect. Now we don't have to make any other music. It's not sort of. It's it's a longer update than our plot. Wow. wow. <laughs> I can't imagine. I gotta say, after watching this episode, I was like, this show's fucking wild. I gotta want to watch it. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Kelly, you're just going all this over is, the place here. This is like right in the middle when the show loses the plot, I think. That's us. What, se- what season are we on? There? Four? Three? Mm-hmm. Four? Yeah. yeah. Stacia's going to enlighten us. Oh, is that why you keep Oh, hell yeah. Put- putting your hand in front of my face you said you would read it yeah that was when i thought i didn't have to do the plot the plot was only three paragraphs it doesn't count (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah okay do you want to talk about what episode it is uh it's episode 13 season four salvage is the name of the episode okay there you go okay we open on Lila, a Wolferman heart lawyer, being dead, Angel being Angelus, Connor being a teenager, that's Angel's son that was a baby like last year, and Cordelia having a bolt through her leg and ominously saying, it started. Everyone is very somber. Things seem strained between our friends at Angel Investigations. Also, it's permanently nighttime in LA right now. I don't know why. Connor mm. wants to go. That's because <laughs> all our characters only do stuff at night. It is way more convenient. Connor wants to go on a rampage and kill Angelus. Wesley is being tormented by the ghost of Lila because I guess they were fucking. And hey, Faith, in prison. She gets jumped by the same actress that played that cop in season two of Buffy, I'm pretty sure, who comes after her with a Harbinger knife. What does it mean? Angel goes to a lava Satan demon called the Beast, Glory Much, who is working on the orders of some heretofore unknown big bad that is actually Cordelia. What the fuck is happening? (laughs) Wesley goes to the Northern Northern California Women's Facility to visit Faith and ask her if she knows what's going on in L.A., R.E., Never Ending Night, and Reign of Fire, and she does, proving that inmates in California state prisons are better informed than the Scoobies in Sunnydale. Wesley tells Faith that Angelus is back, and she prefers proceeds to break out of prison by jumping out of a four-story window with Wesley, who both land on a car below unharmed. Convenient. Thank God. Wesley helpfully fills Faith in on what's been going on. Angel's son spent season three in a hell dimension, which is why he's a teenager and not a baby, and Cordelia spent last summer as a divine being, whatever that means. Faith tells Wesley she won't kill Angelus. Wesley says that's why he's recruited her. He wants Angelus brought in alive, or undead so they can re-ensoul him. Angelus overhears that there is a slayer in town and assumes it's Buffy. He calls Dawn from a payphone pretending to be Angel and asks if Buffy is home. Though we don't actually hear the exchange, apparently Dawn confirms that Buffy is home and Angelus hangs up. Based on the air date of this episode, Salvage, 
This phone call should have happened during The Killer and Me, but it is never mentioned in Buffy. Ever. That was the fun fact that I had to watch a whole episode of Angel about. Continue. So Angelus now knows it's Faith, not Buffy, coming after him. He lures Faith and Wesley to a warehouse. They split up. Wesley fights some regsy vampires, and Faith goes after Angelus. He taunts her for a while and leads her to the Lava Satan monster. Faith... Faith gets her ass beat by the Beast, very Buffy Vitura Khan vibes, though the Beast is way cooler looking, until Angelus kills the Beast with a special dagger and the sun unblackens. Faith breaks the window and sunlight floods the room. Angelus takes off in a huff. Everyone back at Angel HQ is happy about the sun returning. Connor goes to check on Cordelia or whatever it is that's possessing Cordelia. She tells Connor, we're having a baby. So I guess he and Cordelia had sex? Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like Angel and Willow aren't the only statutory sex offenders in the Buffyverse. I'm Thank so you mad. for reading that Angel update. I watched the whole thing for that one line about Angel calling Dawn because I needed to know. <laughs> and clearly you have no idea what's going on in Angel. No, but it was a good one to pick because that's the first time Faith's been in the show for a while. So mm. yeah. That's cool. And she's coming. Don't Now she'll be coming. free and ready to come back. That's right. Thought I'd bring her some tea. Help her feel better. Mm-hmm. It's just tea. <laughs> okay. Now we can talk about this episode of this television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Stacia, what did you think about the killer and me? I hate Kennedy. <laughs> uh, she is just really frustrating and unlikable. Um, and since the whole episode's basically about Kennedy, it's a tough watch for me. Fair enough. I also felt that feeling very hard. I did like seeing Amy, um, although I thought it was weird that she felt the need to, like, wreak some havoc on Willow's life, like, so long after they hung out together. I know. Oh, there's a, I think it's a deleted line looking at the script, because I don't remember her saying it. There's a throwaway that Amy says, uh, I actually triggered the hex uh, right after she tried to end the world, but it just now, or rather, I put the hex on her right after she tried to end the world, but it triggered now. So... She was sore about it in the moment, I think, mm. or roughly in the moment. Why would she even know? Maybe because Rack got killed. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, fair enough. Kennedy's the worst. Fun. To she have was him. a rat for three years. I mean, I'd be pissed too. <laughs> Still not over that shit. That's for sure. I mean, that's a better yeah. reason yeah. to hack someone than just like I don't know. She had a bad day. Didn't but, really impact me, but see, but her being a rat was her own fault. She played herself. She played herself. Yeah. Well, Will is a failure for not changing her back. Well, clearly Willow can't change people into things or things into people or herself into another person. She did. Except and then for those times back. that she has. Yep. And that she did. And then she went back to being a rat. Fuzzy little Amy. I think you're being too hard on yourself. She's got access to powers I can't even invoke. I mean, first she's a perfectly normal girl. Then poof. Right. That's right. She's a rat. Anyway, Daniel, what do you think about this episode? <laughs> This episode literally does not happen. It does not exist in my brain. I have I had no idea <laughs> what happened. And this is a there's not a lot of them that I'm a hundred percent sure uh, of where I was in 2013 when we were watching this. But I promise that you and me were watching like four episodes, and this was at the end of it, and we were drunk as fuck, and you were probably pissed the fuck off, and you were like, "This is some bullshit. I hate this shit." And so we're just like hate watching this. Because I have no idea that any of this stuff happened. So this was all pretty pretty new to me. I had to look it up because I thought it was going crazy. Uh, on the wikia for uh, Kennedy, her birthday is circa 1984, which would make her 18 years old in 2002. Mm. Losing my mind. So I went to – I found a Google Groups Hangout by ser- searching the word statutory rape Willow. And that – it came up. Perfect. Statutory rape Willow is the name of – 
the group in 2003. This is live. It is Google Groups. What an impossible thing to search through. It is one of the ugliest, um, the weird forum days. <laughs> it is hard to get through. But it is such a weird time capsule of people who were in deep denial, people who just didn't care, said, fuck it, it's all good. And some people that were like, yeah, this is kind of like illogical to the show and others, you know, that are just sort of throw their hands up. And off mic last time we were talking about, and we kind of like led into it a little bit, where I can give it a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for like vampires and the Angel Buffy thing. It's kind of Mm. vampire lore and shit. But you specifically make this 15-year-old kids and it's now you want us to believe that she's 18. And there's a one line that people in the group were clinging on to in 2003, which she did say before, which is like, I'm a little too old, right? She was thinking she's too old to be. But to me and to us, too old means that I'm on the ass end of 15 about to turn 16. So the best case Mm -hmm. scenario is I've just turned 16. So this whole thing got me so annoyed because I really fucking hate that they weren't creative enough to just not have Kennedy. And this whole time I was yeah. I was looking at this and um, I created two alternate scenarios for these characters. One of them is why not, if we have to have Kennedy, why can't we make her 18 to 22 to whatever and have her be like a potential slayer? Like she was a potential slayer when she was 15. We could have had Willow fucking around with the spell. We could still have the, the Dawn episode, right? But we could have done that maybe another time. And we hit this Kennedy character and we say, Oh, you're a potential. And she's like, I can't be, I'm 18. And then it's like, Oh, but I'm also a karate master. And then she's like helpful and she can come and hang out. And then she can get with Willow over time. And she doesn't have to be a potential slayer. And it's also like sleeping with like this girl. That's a runaway in this halfway house. Like, I don't know. The whole thing is just so (laughs) bad on that level. So then she's not right. She's just a character in the world. And it's kind of interesting to be, to find out that you could have been a potential slayer. Like, what if Buffy died in 2002 or whatever? She could have been a slayer, right? When she was 15. Then the alternate Willow, I was like, I wish we never did Kennedy at all. Why didn't we hang out with the Wicca group? Why didn't we hang out yeah. with the girl that we yeah. met on or whatever? And why didn't we have, like, Amy come in and have some drama with those two? And then we have her, the girl that was leading it, be the love interest. Then you could literally have all of this stuff still happen. But mm-hmm. it would just it would just be better. The whole thing would be yeah. great. And then you could still it have Amy. Be much better. Yeah, you have the Wicked group and you could have Willow being like, I don't all I all I do is I hear the earth breathing. Remember how she was so in tune with the earth and then we dropped it? What if mm-hmm. all she could hear is how the earth breathes and she needs to find other people that feel that way? And so she went back to her Wicked group. You could explain that away and you kind of create this like you know, another schism in the group. And then Buffy and Willow once again have to come back together after being separated. But I was like, God, we just, we, it's all so cheap with Kennedy. It's all so cheap. And at the end of it all, when we have these great lines from Allison Hannigan, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say, Kelly, because like, this is the grief. This is letting it all out. You know, baby, come back. I killed her. All of the stuff that we, you know, sort of wanted to hear a long time ago. And then right after she says that, we get monotone Kennedy saying, Willow, no. You did nothing wrong. And it's like, oh, this is blasphemy, dude. This is blasphemy. Yes. Yeah. Fuck it. This episode fucking sucks. And (laughs) (laughs) wonderful. Wonderful. You were there, bitch. You saw it. I killed her. You mean him. Her. Him. You know what I mean. But you said her. No. I was worried. Shut up. No. No, it wasn't. You said I was there. Don't worry, babies. Daddy gonna give you some, too. Who did you kill, Willow? It was your fault, slut. You tricked me. Got me to forget. 
Kara. Shut up! Shut up, Andrew. Shut up! You do not get to say her name. I'll bring it up to whoever's there. Tricking me into kissing you. Not that I'm a kiss slut. I like both of your ideas. I like while you were talking, I was like, oh, yeah, her she was a has-been potential, right? Like it never happened. So what if, you know, going back to what if Buffy, when she died in the gift, it did trigger Kennedy, but not like she was supposed to be the one that was called, but it didn't happen because Buffy didn't, had already died, but it was actually her specifically that would have been called. And then that puts her like right at 18 at this point. So I feel like that's a way to do it. If you want to be beholden to the potential slayer thing, or like you said, just like not have her be a potential slayer at all. Um, Or like she was a potential, but now it's just like not, not on the cards at all. That's pretty cool. But I love the wicked group thing. They made them look so cool in two minutes. They made them look cooler than so many things that have been on this show. And that Vaughn character specifically drew Greenberg during the commentary. who was like, she's fucking amazing. I love that actress. She was great to work with. She has a great personality, like an instantly cool energy, way cooler than Kennedy Uh by like 8 million miles. (laughs) For sure. And he's like, you know, I know for a fact if we had done another season and we didn't have 85 other fucking recurring characters to deal with this year, we would have brought her back. And I'm like, why do this to us? This does feel like a setup for another plot thread uh, really hard. And we could have done it this year if we just did it 10 episodes ago. Like, oh, God. Anyway. Well, it also shows that Druzy is fine and, and probably would do that because he's not a, a hack in a way that Joss Whedon is like because they could have changed that they could have done that in the fucking comics you could have just let Kennedy go but they have to like justify this and so we have to keep being around her in the comics as well because they need to make it count when it never will it just it won't yeah. it just felt so cheap and the fact that she's 18 it just brings up so many other questions which is like are you staying at this home for free? <laughs> Are you a freeloader like Willow? Why aren't you paying rent? It's that shit. When she's a wayward child, that's all good, right? We've accepted that this is a wayward home for, for children <laughs> that were that are slayers. That's cool. But if you are 18, you better be paying fucking rent. Only Willow gets to not pay rent or do the dishes. Get out of here. <laughs> she's paid her dues another way. She's she's been grandfathered into the group. Okay, she's allowed to be here for free. <laughs> she no. sold that house when Buffy was dead. Okay, she sold that house fair and square. I'm, I love Willow. Scottish I love rights. Willow. She gets a pass forever. <laughs> Kennedy, no love, zero <sighs> love. Also, I hate it because it's the little sister thing. They make her a little sister. It's that. Inf- infantilizing thing as well the whole time it's just this so i'm gonna childish, follow you around so i'm gonna take childish. that as a yes and no mm-hmm. and it's like and i this is why people hate quote unquote hate dawn but i'm like dawn is a literal little mm-hmm. sister so she gets the biggest pass in the whole world we can complain about her but like we we love her because she is a literal little sister but she is supposed to be a love interest which makes it even mm-hmm. worse so bad how about i just tag along anyway keep you company i'm taking that as a yes so all that ire. Don't worry. We'll return to it. But just to get this out of the way, I will say I hated this episode less than I remembered. Like, I, I remember this being, like, unwatchable, no redeeming anything. I really liked the premise um, because it's a fun Buffy premise, you know, like, and, and like, a, a pretty solid one. You know, Willow's guilt over figuratively killing Tara or at least, you know, the memory of Tara, is so severe that she transformed into Tara's literal killer. I mean, that's a cool, powerful thing. And like you said, it's an effective way to show that Willow hasn't forgotten. She's still grieving. She still misses Tara. We wanted this sooner, but also, you know, grief's weird and and stuff brings it up and, and you you know, you could be minding your own business and then it hits you like a ton of bricks. So I think that's all valid that it didn't happen any sooner. Uh, but I think, you know, we have a definite answer that Willow's not okay. She hasn't she hasn't been okay. She's not okay. <laughs> um 
And I have to say that I think Adam Bush is excellent. Excellent, excellent as Willow. I think he does a great job, especially at the very end. You know, come back, come back, where he's like scream mm-hmm. crying. I think he does a better job than Allison Hannigan. I'm sorry. I think he's like in that moment. I think he's Whoa. he's really affecting. I don't know what it is. Maybe because he's just like really screaming. I didn't mean to. Kissing me didn't mean no. th- not that I'm a kiss slut. She was never gone. She was with me. We should have been forever. And I. I let her be dead. She's really dead. And I killed her. Willow, no. Oh, please, baby. I'm so sorry. Come back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come back. It's great. So, I will say that. And that might be the only positive things I have to say about the episode. Also, the Spike and Buffy stuff was fine. Wow. Stupid, but fine. <laughs> Stupid, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> the best you can hope for with the initiative. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So quickly, because we're only going to be talking about Willow and Kennedy, mm-hmm. I did want to talk briefly about Amy uh, before I forget. So what do you think is actually going on with her? Because it does seem like she's been working with the Wicker group. Like, legit, Vaughn confirms that, right? So, But clearly, the touchy-feely stuff hasn't really worked on her because she's still pretty bitter. Uh, so is she active? actually a conflicted person trying to better herself? Like, does she really want to do some self-improvement, but the bitterness just rose up and made her lash out? Stacia, what do you think? I mean, maybe it's... She's been a work in progress since Willow tried to end the world after she cast the Hex and kind of forgot about casting the Hex because you wouldn't necessarily know when that was triggered, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then now that Willow's come with her hex, that Amy's kind of like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did do that. That's right. <laughs> Whatever. Willow sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why hearing the war, and she's like, I know what that is. Yeah. Oh shit, I know he's dead. So, but that's definitely my hex, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it that line of dialogue, if that isn't in actually in the episode about her saying, "I did it last year," which I don't think it is. I don't think so. That so. does kind of make it different because I was going from the angle of she just did this right now. I mean, because then it seems really random. And that was something that kind of like stuck with me watching. It was like, why is she going after Willow? They haven't talked in months. Right. Right. So that makes it that makes it a little different because I think that is a totally fair assessment. Right. Like I did this in the moment because I was pissed off. And then I was like, yeah, fuck. And now I've been going to counseling yeah. and I'm working on it. and We're getting better every day. And then like, oh, yeah. <laughs> did that really shitty thing like six months ago sorry but also not sorry i mean that's that's really what you come back to so daniel if she is like really trying to work on herself why does she seem like cocky and in kennedy's face like yeah i fucking did that fuck willow (laughs) well that's always kind of been who she is that's why i don't think she i I guess that's a really good question because like does she then lean in at this moment to being an evil character who she is in season eight? Like, was she just, I mean, was she really working on herself and she was fine? And then she's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. I set that trap a long time ago and it went off. So let's just be evil forever. Like, I don't know. (laughs) It's really strange because she does lay out like reasoning quote unquote, but it does. It's so weird because you're not part of the friend group and I don't know what Willow, she's not an arrogant person. She doesn't really like flaunt it. I mean, she did sort of when they were around one another and maybe that's where she's mad about it. But she says, you know, Willow almost destroyed the world and everybody keeps loving mm-hmm. her. What's wrong having a little fun, you know, take her down a peg or two. And it's like, why, why, why do you, why are you so mad at her? I don't, I don't know. I mean, their friendship didn't really work out, but you were kind of fucking her over in a lot of ways. I don't know. It's like a weird, abusive friendship that wasn't really working out 
and again, I can't, I can't believe that she is um, trying to better herself. I feel like she's here to like fuck with people. Yeah. In the Wicca group. So that was another read that I could possibly see is that is she just here because she's still a junkie and she's like, well, I can get this little bit for free. Maybe they might actually have real power. Maybe this could be just a little bit of juice for me later down the line. Yeah. It's, it would be interesting. Like if you could do a spinoff show with her where you see that she's in the Wicca group, but she's only doing it because she has like ulterior motives and you find out what she's actually doing there. Mm -hmm. So we, or if you did my version where you went through the wicked group, you could have her be a yeah. character. Again she could be a real villain. Three episodes I mean, before, and, and, and you could meet her. And in then scene. it would make yeah. so much more sense for Amy being like, they all forgave her. Like I did stuff that was way less bad than ending the world, and I'm like persona non grata. Yeah, that's a great point. It's not yeah. Fair. Or she could have put the hex on over an argument that they would have had two, yeah. two episodes ago, right? I mean, she is the only one who like paid attention to like. The theme of this season, supposedly, where she says it's not about hate, it's about power. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Amy. Mm -hmm. The hex I cast lets the victim's subconscious pick the form of their punishment. It's always better than anything I can come up with. Elegant, you know? Undo it. Let her out. Okay. Oh, wait, I forgot. No. Why would you do this to her? You really hate her that much? (sighs) This is not about hate. It's about power. I like the, the the idea that she just did it and forgot because she was mad in the moment. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Like yeah, more of a lighthearted take. But I also really like in this alternate reality show that we've created where she this is a long con and she's actually obsessed with Willow. And I think there is a little bit that like obsessed, you know, in a super serious single white female way, but just like really can't get it out of her head because why the fuck does she know about Kennedy? Why does she know about the potential slayers? Why, great like, point, has she been creeping point. in the bushes? Has she True. been using her magic? I mean, it would know, be kind ball? of fun that, like, if this was a different show and it was filmed today, that you could go back and you would start to notice that she's behind in a bunch of scenes. <laughs> yeah, just like wearing, like, a hat <laughs> or just, like, you know, like, you see, like, this dark hair and you start being like, I think that's Amy. Yeah, that would be so cool that she was just, like, in the background of the scene. Nikki? Get off. What? Move. <sighs> Claire. No, no, it's, it's fine. Don't this is not your tent, is it? No, it's not yours either. It's actually Jack's. And I we thought didn't we... do this on purpose. We just, we needed some aspirin, and so I we came in. It's fine. You don't need to make an excuse to her. Because uh, she walked in on us having sex. That's what you God do. God forbid someone has sex on this island. But, I mean, it would also pay off the, the seed of magic, like the obsession over that in season eight. That could be, it would make even more sense that you would be stoked about it being destroyed or whatever because you want to get back at Willow, who fucking loves. Well, magic. that's the whole thing. She's she resurrects Warren to torment Willow. Like clearly, she has a fixation on Willow. So, so I don't think this is. We just don't do it in the show. We don't have the time. We just don't have the time, guys. We're too busy spending four fucking episodes with Spike and his his soul biting. Oh God, nothing's happening. But it's taking four episodes to get through. Ah. Oh. If only we had time. His soul biting? Hey, Spike, I've got a soul, but I'm killing people and the trigger and the uh, and the potentials. And like, what have we been, every episode for the last four episodes, we've been like, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. 
for four episodes. <laughs> the other thing that I think would be really interesting, and this is because I am a terminally online person, is if you could use uh, Amy and put her in this group where she sort of like weaponizes this like, Willow, like you're being really aggressive and I'm hoping you could just yes. like, we could just like hold a safe space for each other <laughs> to just like have yeah. our feelings. And like right now I'm just, I'm feeling really attacked and just like doing that kind of stuff around sure. her to make herself seem like the victim. And Willow's just like, what? Yeah, she's constantly saying all the yeah. right performative yeah. things to like yeah. get everyone on her side. Yeah, sure. I think that's great. It's just completely like you can tell it's just completely manufactured, and she doesn't mean any of it. That would be good. Yeah. Well, then everybody sides with Willow in the end anyway, right? right? And so then Amy will be even more mad because she tried a different tactic and it didn't work. Yeah, it's like everything for the whole season would just be her trying to get people to hate Willow, and they just keep loving Willow because Willow's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be a good show. But that's it would not be what a we different can. show. <laughs> it would be. She's such a good actress too. I know. I, I like really every time Amy's Amy. here. We have a whole watch for her. She's only here in a couple I of know. episodes, and it's just like the Hoffman. It's like you you have a watch all for yourself, and it's like because you're awesome. Yeah. She's interesting. You, you stand She's, out. Yeah, she does stand out. She is different. Yeah. See, the thing is, we're more about healing spirits and nurturing our life force here. Oh. Uh. But we'll try. Now on to the other thing in the episode. Kennedy and Willow. A love story. Okay, so I think I already know the answer to this based on our conversation so far, but how are you guys feeling about Kennedy? How you feel how are you feeling about her? How are you feeling about her this far in the episode? Remember, the mission statement of season seven was to say that we were trying to objectively analyze Kennedy and not just hate her. But have we earned hating her yet? Um I mean I think Kennedy's really great. Her short, short, short bangs don't distract me (laughs) even a little bit. I love how confident she is, especially considering she hasn't earned it even a little bit. Um, I love how she just like is aggressive sexually towards Willow and to the point that it seems like Willow's uncomfortable with it. Um, I like that she appears to be a manipulative person who will pretend to be sick and, you know, shirk her duties just so that she can hit on Willow some more. Um, and I like that even though she doesn't know the backstory about any of this, when she finds out that Willow killed someone, she's not worried at all. No reaction. (laughs) Does not care. Is not, not a single question. I think those are all really great, um, things. So I just, I think they're really well matched together because, you know what? Um, Willow didn't want from Tara her asking questions. From the grave. <laughs> I do love I love how much you love Kennedy, Stacia. So you. yes, I Thank I, you. I second everything you said because you, you did a great job. My thoughts exactly. I love all of that. But Daniel, well she likes skate punk. Kennedy. She's so cool. We'll get into that. We will get into that. Don't oh, you that's hurry. another great point. I love that they have nothing in common. <laughs> oh, I know. She literally said, I hate yeah. all those things. I'm like, Willow, I don't know how much we have in common. Okay, okay. No, I mean, I said, I kind of said everything before. It's just the little sister vibes, mm-hmm. the, the, the skate punk stuff. Just like, there's literally, you guys are, you don't even get along. It would almost make sense as if it was a 15-year-old going after a 22-year-old. Yeah. I mean, it really would. And that's totally fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, having a teenager be infatuated with somebody old. That happens all mm-hmm. the time. And the whole, like, not Tara, when do you tell Tara? That's another random question, you know, of, like, would you not say, would she not hear? How long has it been since she's been here? I know it doesn't come up in everyday conversation, but... 
it is pretty crazy that she's like sleeping on the ground where Tara died. Yeah. yeah. And it just seems like we have nothing to say about that. And if they're sitting here knowing about Moulin Rouge in chapter 32, yep. oh my God. Then like, I feel like you would be like, hey, you know, can I tell you something? I don't know. Like, let's confide in each other. Like, it seems like they're like semi close. Like, they're trying to get closer, maybe. And like, if you were, I feel like that would be the first thing Willow would say. Be like, hey, this thing happened. It's pretty crazy. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't, but. We are expected to believe at once that they have been really hanging out a lot off screen, and also they know nothing about each other. So that's know about tough. Each other, yeah. um, but the terror thing is tough, and that may not, that might not be something you lead with, right? So it's like I can almost understand that you don't bring it up, but it does feel. I crazy. mean, the thing that's weird is like I feel like it'd be like a a total um, black box where either you don't mention Tara, you don't ever say her name, you don't talk about her at all. Or you tell her everything, yeah. but you don't just casually be like, yeah, like I went through a really rough breakup. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, it like yeah. feels almost gaslighting or something that you're like leaving out all these essential details and then to not be like, I turned into the man that killed my only girlfriend I've ever been in love with is like, it's weird. Well, even the way that Willow in the episode keeps saying, yeah. I, I turned to the man I killed. This is the man I killed. Not yeah. This is the man that killed my girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know that it's hard to bring up at the bronze or something, but it kind of feels like the time to maybe jump a little bit into yeah. that. Right? If you're thinking about even wanting to be with her, it kind of feels important if you want to like start a relationship with somebody that you would kind of say that. I don't know. Like, what happened to your last girlfriend? Oh, we... She went away? What do you do? What do you say? That, no, you would say she That's died. a good point. That makes the conversation bizarre, too, because she says, Tara and I are kind of private. Yeah. Kennedy, you have to know she's not currently with someone. You're living in her bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you know that. And so for Willow then to go correct and say, we're private, like, oh, now I know for sure you don't have a girlfriend. What? Have you guys been sending, spending every minute of every day with each other or not? I don't understand what is going on. <laughs> And pictures, pictures of Tara are around in that room. Like, how would she not be like, who the fuck is this girl? And you. And you would say, that's my former girlfriend, Tara. We're private. That's what you said. I mean, it it also seems like if you don't feel like you can bring that up to Willow for whatever reason, that she would be like making some like doing some questions in the background, like going up to Donna and being like, like, what's Willow's deal? What's Willow's deal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like asking some questions, especially when she turns into the guy that Willow kills and Willow continues to say that, but then gives no explanation. It's just like, why did you kill him? That would be like the first question I would have if someone was like, I turned into the man I killed. Why did you kill him? What happened? No. Nope. <laughs> what no, happened? That's all the information. Why did Buffy punch you? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, why did Buffy punch you? That's a good one. What was that about? Nope. Why is Andrew feeling you up and yeah. why is everyone touching you? What, like, what, why is this so weird? She for just everyone? doesn't. Care. What am I missing? It's so bizarre. <laughs> very, very strange. Okay, I'm going to say the couple positive things I'm going to say mm. before I say nothing. I thought but you already things. said you were done with that. Nope. I've got one other thing. I do like when Kennedy says, I like the way you speak, because I think that's a nice commentary on the whole Buffy speak thing. Uh. It's it's really lost its uniqueness over the years, 20 years removed. You know, the way that they talk is not, it just is all par for the course because it's all been absorbed into the culture anyway. But, you know, especially when the show first started, they they do the Buffyisms, the adding Y mm-hmm. to everything and just the, the way that they speak. So I do think that that was a nice little nod to to the the good old days of like, yeah, you guys are kind of weird. You talk like fucking nerds. What's your problem? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I did like that. Uh, and yeah. a word from Drew, Drewzy Gerberg, about 
the bronze mm-hmm. scene, okay? This is the thing I want, quote, this is the thing I wanted to do, the thing that we were trying to get to. We see so much on TV about, like, the drama that gay people go through. We get the AIDS movies and the gay bashing and the custody battles. You forget that it can be fun, that there's something really fun about being gay and being, you know, just out on a date. And this was a chance to sort of do something like that. Now, I agree with that because this is still the early days of gays on TV, right? It's still very much the desperate... We're we're just like everyone else. We got to prove that we're just like everyone else. So just having these two lesbidars on screen just having a nice time without it being some propaganda cautionary tale that still of it's like 2003 is still kind of novel and still cool so thanks for that to have a nice scene is that not a cautionary tale okay this entire conversation was just red flag after red flag (laughs) it's true (laughs) but willow's kind of filled with red flags herself (laughs) as well so yeah now that we have that out of the way (laughs) <laughs> here we go buckle in everyone yeah all I right i can see how long these notes are <laughs> go back and listen go back and listen to seeing red and then pop on this and let's see how far we've come i think i've come a long way in my own defense i think you have okay so uh in the commentary still during the bronze scene david solomon says gee i'm falling in love with both of them this is totally working whatever's happening here drew says i'm very very happy to hear you say that yeah it's nice i think it came out very well i couldn't disagree harder i think they have zero fucking chemistry and i think you've both said that in different words do you buy them together at all no not even a little bit not even for a willow's second. had more chemistry with like a pot in the kitchen than she has <laughs> with kennedy i have never with that been she threw in the garbage yes i have never been less yeah. convinced that two people like each other on any level like they don't even seem like they have friendship chemistry these people do not like each other yeah, i don't know what they saw that i'm not seeing daniel do you see it do you see the magic do you see them falling? i see little sister yeah. i see little How can sister you not? we've seen willow uh, Alison Hannigan have chemistry with bucket hats that are better. Yes! Than that. That's crazy. I'm here. We're doing chemistry. Oh, so sorry I hurried. I was just going to say, we have her falling in love with Oz and her falling in love with Tara, and they're both. And a robot. So- so adorable. Yeah, but those are the moments that I think of when she's like, she's like looking at Oz and she's like, do you want to kiss me? And he's like, I'm going to wait until you want to kiss. And that whole scene, you're just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I want someone to like me like that, you know? And her face and you're just like, yes, like totally feeling this. And I feel like we have the same thing with Tara. And then here, we're just like, <laughs> just like. <laughs> I feel bad for them because it's a truism and they must know it, that the reason why Oz is so great and the reason why Tara is great is because regardless of even if they had awkward chemistry and I think Kennedy could get a pass too if they were around each other for a whole fucking year because then they you would develop chemistry you would see them and get to know them together and it's undeniable with the Oz and the Tara and this is very stale and awful but you're trying to force this in so quickly at the end of a series it ain't gonna work and and the only reason it works with the other is because you have a whole year and that's why I'm saying with the Wicca thing, it's like you could, we just got to meet them earlier and you have to invest in them and stop doing fucking spike episodes about his fucking head and his fucking soul. You can give that up and and invest somewhere else. I don't know why we have to do this shit because you could have these conversations that would be great with someone else that we fucking care about. Or, okay. So we talked about this a little bit last week, the Hayden Christensen factor. Is it, a failing of the show, whether it be the writing, the plot, the pacing, whatever, or is the blame squarely on Yari Limon's shoulders? I can't just blame her. We we haven't scientifically been able to do a test yet because we haven't watched anything else with her in it. That's true. 
But we did find a movie from 2019 called mm. VHS, and we put it on our list, and we are going to watch it. So I will report back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and let Please you do. know. She hasn't been in really anything else. She does mostly voice acting. This. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. So. Uh, I, well, I was just going to say, I think it's both. Um, she is not compelling as a character. I mean, like you said, uh, when we were talking about the Wicked group. Vaughn was just immediately more charismatic yeah, and likable. You want to know about her. And you're just like interested in her. And Kennedy has like never given me that energy. And I think that might just be like a on a actress level. Sorry. Um That's what I'm saying. Yari Limon. Because but, that actress had two seconds of screen time. You instantly want to know more about her. Yes. Kennedy, you're like, oh every yeah. time you see her. <laughs> yes. But the other thing is, I think it would be a tough call if you even if you took that actress, the Vaughn actress, and put her in Kennedy's character, if she was acting as Kennedy, I still think it would be a tough sell because Kennedy, just like the level of brashness that she has, the way they're trying to completely contrast her from Tara, that she's like Tara's opposite almost, is just rough. And it feels really um, abrasive. And I don't know that anyone could have saved that, but I think we have like double... Double damage. <laughs> Double damage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Have you made a ruling, mm. Daniel, on uh, yeah. actress or, or the the show? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't want to blame her too much. I don't think. I think the reason why she doesn't act is probably pretty self-evident at that point. If she doesn't do a lot, then it's yeah. probably yeah. because she's not very good. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay. But I would say that I don't think the story lends it well. Like you said, the Vaughn character, if she had to be... Again, a, a, a potential slayer. She has to be a younger person it hanging out has with those 15 problems. year olds. Mm-hmm. It still has those problems. And for her, I think that's why in the alternate universe where she's this former potential slayer and she can still be rich girl, ran away from home vibes, whatever, you know, parts of her personality that we just never, we just kind of hear, but we never get fleshed out. Mm. She could still be the same character, but just out of the Buffy context, I think would do her a lot of good. I think that's a lot of the hang up as well. It's just like, it really is that she is a potential. She lives in this house. There are so many problems on that regard. And it just seems like everyone's incredibly flippant about it. And I don't like that. I think if she wasn't a slayer or, or just removed, I think that would help mm-hmm. just me personally, but, but I don't think her acting could probably carry the day. So at the end of the day, I probably, probably wouldn't be that great. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't think it would have been impossible for them to introduce a lot of interest for Willow this season and to make it something that you're kind of like rooting for, uh, but yeah. I don't think they they completely mishandled it. <laughs> it's 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 tough. I don't want to get ahead of myself because I'm a bit too busy mid dunking on on mm-hmm. Kennedy, so I'm just going to keep <laughs> going through my notes chronologically. But we will come back to that quickly. I want to say the actress that played Vaughn. Her name is Megalyn Echikunwoke, I believe. So. Great job. We all want to know more about you. We all wish that you were in the show and not Kennedy. Uh, All right. So I feel like I agree with everything you both said. Everything's been perfect. We are all in agreement. This is a good podcast when people debate by saying the exact same things. Let me double down. You mean triple down? (laughs) Let me triple down. I also, I feel like I don't know who her character is supposed to be. She's like a severely watered down faith, but with zero Mm -hmm. fucking swagger, I guess. I, I, I guess that's what she is. She's supposed to seem bold and confident, but I don't fucking believe her 
I don't believe her. I don't buy anything she's selling. And they do that thing that Daniel, you just brought up. They keep telling us instead of showing us. They they tell us she's tough. She says, I'm going to stop you now, you know. And then Amy's, before she went out and found herself a big old potential slayer, she is shorter than Allison Hannigan, and I'm sorry to bring it all down to body, but oh my God, she's itty bitty. She's not tough. She's not fucking tough. Okay. She's cool. She likes Italian. I don't know if it's the food or the language, but she likes it. Maybe Greyhounds. She likes skate punk. She likes Robert Parker mysteries. Very cool. She's some lesbian Lothario. Amy says, that must have been some kiss. You must be good. And then after Willow turns back, she goes, mm, I am good. And then she says, if uh, she's really hot, you just get her drunk and see if she comes on to you. But, she, mm-hmm. but I don't buy her as tough. I don't buy her as cool. I don't, I don't buy her as a lesbian, fucking frankly. And it, yeah. it, to me, that has to come down to the acting. Personally, I think that's where, uh, although, you know, you guys, like, listening to you speak, I will say, and I'm sorry, I love you very much, but Amber Benson was not, like, the top-tier actress. Like, we, I did dunk on her from down. Better than her. Better than E.R. Lyman. I'm sorry. But uh, but you look at Benson and you want to know more about her. You I mean, do. You instantly it. do. It's the it girl. She's not an it girl. And it's no not offense to her. It just, she could be under different context an it girl. It's just they didn't they didn't set her up well. Tara was always an it girl. Tara was always weird and mysterious and she's sitting in the corner. Absolutely. I think that's what maybe not the only, but part of the problem is we we want someone, we want Willow to kind of be the one noticing, I think. I think Mm -hmm. so. You know? Because that makes it feel better. Like, But then you can't really play this whole betrayal storyline, I think, because Willow slowly, you still can while she's grappling with it, but like it just feels better. Like, have... Kennedy or whomever be someone cool and interesting that that we want to know more about and Willow wants to know more about because they're awesome like that's what you want you want it to be yeah. organic yeah. can she, have, this can is she so get a friend forced. I mean I would I would even be fine with her just getting a friend a friend that brings something else out in Willow because it's just been a dark time for her just being stuck and mm-hmm. Buffy just no offense just isn't they're not not friends really anymore we don't We've lamented it for years now. It's just they just don't hang out much anymore. They're not they're they're family, you know, but they're not really friends. And they don't talk. It would be cool it would to have be someone to talk fun to. To have her meet um like a fellow lesbian who's like a friend but not hitting on her and they're just like bros together and they talk about like their mutual <laughs> heartbreak. And then Buffy gets jealous, like she's like, What? Um Jess is your new best friend. Like, who I the guess. fuck am I? I guess you just brought me back from the dead for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. I mean, that is another big question I have is why does Willow have to have a girlfriend? Why does she have to have one? I mean, you just said that you think you could make it work, and, and you could if you developed it soon enough. I think we laid... I mean, Kennedy hasn't been introduced two episodes ago, right? Yeah. Like, this is so fast. And for a character that sucks so hard, like, this is such a reach and a, an ask of the audience. Mm-hmm. But yes. you could have done it. If we if we did it, in, like, immediately, I think we could have done it. Uh, you know, we love a friends to lovers. That's what we want. So let, let's do that. But why... Why does she have to have a girlfriend? Why does she have to have one so bad that we force her to be with this fucking underage mm-hmm. brat that she has nothing <laughs> in common with? And I, to me, I honestly think that maybe not the only reason, but probably the only reason this happened is because they were trying to get the lesbians back on their side. Like, we're mm-hmm. sorry we killed Tara, but look, here's another lesbian. You guys like lesbians, right? She's just as good. Please watch our show again. That's like They also need a kiss, too. So it's like we have to, mm-hmm. we can't possibly just have her go to the bronze and hook up with a chick or find somebody there or find Kennedy there. It has to like sort of be like that I know her or something. I don't, I don't even understand that. But yeah, they just needed a kiss, right? They needed 
and the fairy tale element of it, right? I have to kiss you again, and you're not. Mm-hmm. That's so bad. So well, bad. this is the show again, trying to make like trying to tell us that Kennedy instantly means so much to Willow, yeah. and vice versa. And he, there was even a line in the commentary that pissed me off, where where they were talking about like, oh, uh, Kennedy seems to be totally cool with Warren, you know, the facade of Warren. And Drew says something like, oh yeah, that's because she knows Willow's soul. And I'm like, they've known each other for two fucking weeks. She's a child. You guys are out of your fucking minds. Chapter this thirty-two. Is- <laughs> Chapter 32. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're Moulin Rouge. God, that's right. Yeah. So dumb. Yeah. I, so I just like, you You were asking me to, to, to suspend. So, th- th- no. No. None of this is true or real. Anyway. They don't I, get a pass. They can't keep getting away with this. They can't we keep getting to, away with this. We have to double down and all be collective here and be strong, the three of us. And we need to say no. We just need to say no. <laughs> we don't accept it. Uh, part of the problem, I think... With Kennedy's character, you know, the, uh, the actress notwithstanding, is that they were so desperate, or this is the actress too, actually. Sorry, everything. Part of the problem of Kennedy and the casting <laughs> is that they were so desperate to have her not be like Tara that it didn't, they didn't care about Kennedy's character, how it came off at all in the end. Mm-hmm. As long as it was different than Amber Benson, as long as it was completely different than Tara, that's all that needed to fit the brief. And Drew and uh, David kind of talk about that. Um, they're, again, talking about the Ron scene. David Solomon says, yeah, you know, look, we all know she took a little bit of grief from some fans about trying to take over for Tara. But she's a very different character, very different girl. And they have very different relationship indeed. And they're just starting to form it here. So it's all quite nice, I think. And Drew says, I think so, too. I think the scene goes quite a long way in sort of cementing the differences, you know, relative to the relationship with Tara. Solomon says, yeah. And I think she did really step into the girlfriend role with Without being anything like Tara or a replacement for Tara, which is, you know, like actual life. And then Drew finally says, exactly. I think it would have been insulting. It would have been weird to see a character who played exactly the same notes. Yeah. Guess what, though? There's a middle path. There's a middle path. We don't There's have also to like an infinity of paths. You could have done anything else. <laughs> was their their whole point was like wow character was such a beloved character is by the fans and by Willow that we now need to create a character that no one likes. I know. I know. We'll, we'll make everyone the hate her. opposite of Tara <laughs> is someone that the fans and Willow don't like. God. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Willow. Like I just that's success. Why? Why? I just don't know why Willow would like her. What about her? There's nothing. I mean, do you understand what he did? What I could do. I killed him for a reason. Getting angry isn't helping. We can still try to. You understand nothing about magic. And in case you haven't noticed, our little date, it's over. She's confident. She takes care of her even when she's a boy. Oh. Even when she's a murderer boy. Even when she's a murderer boy. And she still likes her when she's a murderer girl. (laughs) (laughs) And girls don't like boys. Girls like girl murderers. (laughs) Girls like girls and murder. Uh, so yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a bummer. I don't know how much more I have to yell about it. I would think that she's just really dumb too, because it just like a lot of extreme stuff happened, like the slap with Amy and like <laughs> the yelling and the force good. field, and there's so many like crazy things that just occurred, and she just has no opinion about it. Just got to nope. get to the end of the day so I can go to sleep. Why is she unfazed? Because you can make a character who is like. Stone cold and has been there and done that. And like, so they are unfazed by the world. But she's not like that. She just seems dumb and unobservant and uncaring. Yeah. 15. Like she's 15. Like she's 15. You're sexy when you pout. 
Oh, it's bad, man. It's really bad. And you know, I like I wanted to make sure a lot of this before we rewatched it, I was like, I, I just don't like her because she's not Tara, right? And that's what they're talking about here. You're just not gonna like her because she's not Tara. I fully believe now that I objectively that is not in the equation. I am not comparing her to Tara at all. She sucks. By herself, she sucks. Fuck, I think if Eliza Dushku played this character, it would come off better. Because that's what Eliza Dushku did. Played a 15-year-old bratty slayer who was edgy and hard and badass, and I loved her. Yeah. This is not that. This is terrible. It does feel like a good good value version of Faith. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, she's just a rich kid, too, that's, like, cosplaying as it all. So, And, I mean, mm-hmm. that gives it away, right? I mean, that's why you... Why would she be interested in that? Like, you would be interested in Faith, because Faith's got it. Oh, Kennedy. I'm glad that I know for a fact that I dislike you severely, and it has nothing to do with Tara. I feel like I have grown as a person. Thank you for that. See? It all worked out in the end. <laughs> We're just here for you, Kelly. The I know. long therapy. This was seven years, but we, oh. we made it. The breakthrough. It, it does feel good. It does feel good. <laughs> It feels good. Your promises of happy fields and dancing schnauzers and, and being demigods won't work on me anymore. Mommy. And the bringers are probably coming No, too. I'm not the first. You made me do things. Things I can never take back. Ever. I'm not the first. What the hell is going on in here? Ow! Buffy. Wait! Okay, well, uh, because you're here for me, that means you're at my, at my, under my whims? <laughs> back and call? Yeah. I'm going to move on. Let's play Reasonable or Ridiculous. Games? Oh, yes. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, you're goddamn right. Reasonable. Ooh, mm-hmm. controversial take. <laughs> Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Riley's military guys wait in a bombed out initiative and hope that Spike and Buffy break into it so they can do something about Spike's chip instead of proactively reaching out to her. Reasonable or ridiculous? Uh, I'm going to say reasonable. Why? <laughs> Reasonable. That is exactly what they fucking do. That is top tier initiative bullshit. It's absolutely top tier initiative bullshit, but I think you could justify it in one of two ways. Either you say they were there unrelated getting records to then go meet Buffy, or they just went to go find Buffy and was told she's already in the initiative. By who? Whoever went. Willow, Xander, Anya, someone Uh, at the house. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's okay, a okay. that's a re- that's a reasonable idea right there. Reasonable. Wow. I don't like that, but you're right. I I like the <gasps> idea of them theory. standing around not shooting because they're just gonna let Buffy handle it. Yeah, and then turn on the lights <laughs> after and be like, yeah, we're here. It's fine. Uh, third theory: she's been chipped since season four, and they just track the chip. Nice. I mean, that's probably right. Riley would do that shit. Riley would do right? that. The doctor would do that. It the doctor that, needs to know it was in the frozen yogurt. Oh my god! An excuse to play the sound. I love it. Um, but also, Spike. You know, Spike was with the doctor. The Spike could also be d- another chip, a chip in his butt or something. He's already got a chip. Just GP- I know. Although I guess they. But lost is that him. a GPS one? You know. Yeah, exactly. So oh. now they need a new chip with a GPS. They oh. figured that out after the fact. Yeah. He did have a GPS tracker. Remember that was in an episode. They had to do the static electricity spell oh, and then right. they flushed it down the toilet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, so he no longer is GPS. He's just mind altering chipped. Anyway, Daniel, <laughs> did you come down on unreasonable for real? Was that oh, really gonna? Yeah, for real. No, yeah, that's what the initiative does. They just turn on the lights yeah. after the fighting's over and say, "Hey, we're here." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's Reasonable. true. They did wait until they yeah. neutralized the threat. Have you watched the show Buffy the Vampire? Slayer? <laughs> that's what they did. Did you see season four? Season four? <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, 
they did just wait around to see if that demon was going to kill her. What happened if they? What if it did? Like, oh god. Anyway. <laughs> Whoops. I'm going to have to okay. report back to so Agent mad. Finn. <laughs> No, they're just going to lie. It'll be a classified report that will be like, uh, we can't tell you your level of clearance isn't high enough, Agent Finn. Or they'll just be like, you know what? Spike fucking killed her. You said he was going to do it, and he finally did. We put him down for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. R.I.P. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) We're to provide you anything you need to help Bass face here. Those were his exact words, man. Okay, reasonable and ridiculous. Willow decides to go back to the powerless Wicca group instead of consulting with the mega-powerful England witches that have helped her all summer. Reasonable and ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous. Why was she like, let's go to that bake sale group I <laughs> left after half an hour? I thought they were so shitty I never went back. I know. <laughs> Daniel, reasonable and ridiculous. Ridiculous. Why? She just, like, immediately walked away from the group. And the fact that, again, Buffy's lost control of this whole group. He just let her go? As Warren? What are we doing? That's Why true. are you walking around wandering because about? Spike! Because Spike! Because Spike is his head hurts! Get Miss Horseness on the He's line. <laughs> and get the Wicca group in England on the on the phone. What are we doing? We know they have phones, despite how much we have said that they don't. They've no. threatened to use and have used phones. Hey, do Miss we know Horseness some British guy named Robson? With a phone. I think I think you can make an argument for reasonable, which is uh, their powers seem to be really inconsistent. They were able to pinpoint exactly where Chow An is in Shanghai, but they couldn't tell you who Amanda was in Sunnydale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. That's a great point. That's a, that is a good point. Why not try the Wicca? We don't know. You know, you don't know. At what's least, going on with them. at least when you go to the Wicca group, you know you're going to get like some bomb cupcakes, right? <laughs> and they That's are local. true. Much they are local. <laughs> and thank God they're meeting tonight, once a week, and it just happens yeah, right. to be the night. It to be the night. <laughs> convenient. Super convenient. Yeah. Finally, reasonable or ridiculous. No one has seen Giles touch or eat anything in at least a week. Stacia. <laughs> he's British. Aren't they, like, permanently drinking tea? I, You would think, but I guess he's not lifted a glass since he's been here. I mean... It's ridiculous uh, because once they started talking about that, I was like, did Giles literally stand and wait for someone to open the passenger side door for him to get into the mm-hmm. car as they went on their little excursion into the desert? Because uh-huh. that's the and then not wear a seatbelt because that's the only explanation uh-huh. for just that moment. Uh-huh. Daniel, reasonable, ridiculous. He made a huge thunk when he sat his stupid butt on the goddamn coffee table earlier so unless he's fucking a demon making a thump over here i mean uh, why we not? talked about that why not i know we sounds. talked about that and the corporeal you know i'm putting down a glass that i have and i can make the glass sound right, right, right. as long as someone touches the glass right um so yeah getting the notebook all that kind of bullshit um no he made a thump sitting down come on that's a lot of work to pass off on this <laughs> um would you not have a plane ticket to china did you refuse to grab a plate of food when somebody offered it to you? Did you walk yeah. away when somebody said, hey, can you get the door? Can you get me some toilet paper? Can you grab that <laughs> pen right there? Like the more time that elapses, the harder it is to believe that this is even real. Because, again, yeah. do you stand by and wait for someone to, like, get you in the door of the car of the yeah. airplane? How'd you get to China? <laughs> you just, like, fly because so you could just fly. But you just have to make sure to fly with the plane in a seat where you look like you're there. Because otherwise you could just want to teleport there, right? Because you're the first, just teleport at that point. Why even go through the charade? I love the idea of like, just like Wonder Woman, invisible, just like sitting in air. 
But how would anybody not sit on them? How do you get a plane ticket if you can't use it? They would say, oh, well, this guy didn't show up for his fucking plane ticket he bought. So we're just going to have somebody else sit there. And then now what? Somebody else is sitting there. And now Giles is like floating beside the plane going. I hate it. There's a woman in colonial garb on the wing. Oh, my God. Oh, what an excellent image. Um. Yeah, that's absolutely absurd. So it's reasonable, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> oh, God. So coming um, into this... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's actually incredibly sad thinking about the fact that Giles has been gone for, like, months or a year or whatever, and not a single person has touched him, said, yep. like, shook his hand, hugged him, nothing. Yep. I thought death uh, was the worst KO that I did a couple of weeks ago, but or presumed dead was the biggest one. I think presumed, like, that he doesn't want to be touched, that you don't even hug him. I mean, this whole yeah. time he's been here for, like, three weeks. And you don't even touch him one time, even incidentally. Wild. Wild. It's terrible. Uh, Going into this episode, you weren't 100% sure if he was the first or not. I remember that you were... You were kind of on the fence, so. Mm-hmm. Well, when you brought it up, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing, and I just didn't know. And now he's got explaining to do, right? So who's ropes in? Again, <laughs> yeah. it's so embarrassing that just like the the first, uh, the, the thing that Willow did, the spell that didn't work last time, and we just assume, and we never use the scientific method to kind of do it again. We know that they don't have phones in England, so you just got a phone call from England, and you, without even second thought, you're just like, yeah, that's not the first. I would be like, that's the first calling. Yeah. What they're trying to sow seeds of doubt. Even our joke about England aside, like, why would you just believe with no evidence that this Robeson person <laughs> is fucking real and is not a fucking minion calling, pretending to be somebody, making up a story to get you to leave the house so that they can kill you? What are you yeah. doing? Hmm, that's a good point. No critical thought. You think I'm evil if I bring a group of girls on a camping trip and don't touch them? Quickly, I will remind everyone that we're a real podcast. You can find us everywhere, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website, bbpod.wordpress.com, that has all kinds of notes about our show. And uh, fun little things that we reference or play during the show, it'll be on there very handily. There's something that will happen in a moment that you will need to go to our website to find. Uh, what else you need to go to our website to find is a link to a Spotify playlist that I put together that has all the music that is featured in our show, If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me, as well as all of the music that is featured in this TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that's available on Spotify. And you can find a link to that playlist. But if you want to just go to sh- on our website. But instead, you can go to straight to Spotify and type in what? Beat me hyphen fun time playlist for podcast fans season seven. Woo. I wish I had like a, a noisemaker. So could... That's close, right? Is that what they sound like? Thank so you. Don't worry, Kelly. We have, had it. we have editing. Nobody. Yes, that's right. Put it in fanfare. Make it the fanniest fair of all time. Fanny, that's not right. Uh, that's vulgar in at least one country. Not for the British <laughs> listeners. Beep. <laughs> they don't know about beep, s'mores. Beep it out. I know. Okay. I don't know if I have it in me. <clears throat> but it is time, historically, in the podcast where we uh, yell about some stuff. So do you want to go first? Save me for myself. Me? Yeah. Uh, someone said the chip isn't working or something along those lines. And someone else said Spike's chip as if there was another chip. <laughs> what chip? The potato chip? That's right. Chips Ahoy? I'm still hungry. The chip isn't working. What the fuck? Well, 
What would Damn Toll House cookies be without the chocolate chips? Giles not renewing his California driver's license. I was like, is this plausible? Not plausible? What car is he driving or fake driving or driving with? As we said, he's just floating there. Um, is he driving <laughs> Joyce's car? Is this where Joyce's car comes from? Because Xander has his car. So we have a third. We have a second car. Whose car? It's got to be Joyce's, right? How did he get to the desert? If he doesn't have a car that he's continuing to pay for. So I looked it up. If you are visiting the United States on a 90-day visitor's visa, your international driver's license is valid. Like you can use that on a visitor's visa here. Giles was a citizen here. Like you either have a visa to be here, a long visa, a 90 day, whatever he's doing. But he also like lived here, owned a business in America. Why would you give up the ability to easily come to see your fucking slayer because you're the fucking watcher? He never planned to. That's awful. Then just don't come back. Then why did you come back? You didn't need to come back then if you're not going to come back. Because if it's the end of the world, well, you're not going to get in because you don't have a fucking visa. (laughs) (laughs) Like you keep that visa. Also, if you really believe this bitch is going to die in three minutes, then your visa's cool. Just keep upping that 90 day until she croaks and then you're good. And then you can stay in England forever with Miss Horseness. (laughs) <laughs> Otherwise, you need to be able to get back here quickly, and you need to have a fucking car to do it. So I find that implausible. Mm. I'm just going to say. Um, I agree, and that's why we don't talk about visas or practical anything on the show. Giles' citizenship has been in question before. Remember, he's got my bloody green card. I know. <laughs> got my bloody green card. Oh, guys, he's got a green card, too. So like, he just has like an, a, he would just have an address out here. Well, I guess maybe then you do need to renew your license, but eh, whatever. We're done. We're done. I mean, it's important stuff. It's important that we talk about it. Okay. Is this, it? Is, this is, yeah. <laughs> David Solomon, the best commenter that has ever commentated on a Buffy DVD, uh, had some wonderful nuggets that have nothing to do with this episode, but he was saying them during this episode, and I got to share them with you all. So this is my opportunity during the yelling to say some other shit from the commentary. Here we go. The Gerarg monster, you know, the one at the end of all the episodes. Solomon said that Joss drew that and cut it out in a couple of minutes. And when they did the very first episode, that's my hand making it move. So Solomon, there from day one, making the Mutant wow. Enemy logo for everybody. That's him. It's him doing it. Did you know that? That's no, I cool. didn't. Okay, yell about something. Cool, thank you. Um, okay, it's kind of brought up, been brought up already, but... Um, you always turn off Moulin Rouge at chapter 32 so it has a happy ending. Um, always? You've known this girl for two weeks and this movie's like 12 <laughs> hours long. Mm-hmm. Like, is she watching this every single day as some sort of therapeutical thing to deal with the loss of Tara? Uh-huh. Because otherwise you're crazy. If I never let the movie end, she's still alive. Also, that would be a reason at that point if I was uh, if I was Kennedy, I'd be like, hey girl, why are we turning it off at 32 every time? Are you okay? Oh, your, your <laughs> girlfriend died. <laughs> Your girlfriend died, and that's why. Oh, good. Now we're. Oh, your sharing. girlfriend was murdered on accident. Murdered, right? And then you killed her murderer. Wow, flayed him alive. You yeah, said. the wow. songs are good though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna move on and let this not let this affect me at all. This is yeah. great. God, Kennedy, Daniel. Uh, Lesbidar. That was mm-hmm. pretty clunky. Um, mm-hmm. just gonna I liked say it. it. It was funny. I mean, when when she said it, I just wasn't expecting that. Because back in the day, you know, the gaydar thing, wow, that was just something we just said. I mean, the 20-year gap between these, sometimes you really feel it. And I definitely felt it there. It was crazy. Fair. I like Lesbidar. I think we should make I it have to say, my <laughs> Lesbidar has never pinged for Kennedy or Willow. Neither of them strike me as gay. No. But I 
fully believe Willow and Tara, 100%. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Kennedy, I just, like, I was like, would it be, could I see her with any other female human being? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. That's neither here nor there. What is here is David Solomon talking about the front man for Nerf Herder. Remember the, the band that does the theme song for Buffy? Never oh, was forget. that the band playing? No, no. But oh. it is like lesbian twee band night at the bronze. It's like how fucking appropriate. Of course, we have oh, our, wow. our lesbidar date and it's like some little gay twee band. I mean, they're not gay. I guess it's, you know, but whatever. They very, very gay vibes. Okay. Solomon was talking about the front man of Nerf Herder. He's an orchid right. grower. And judges orchid contest. Seriously, what are the odds? And now you're about to learn about the front man of Nerf Herder, whose name is Perry Grip. Solomon couldn't remember it in the commentary, but I have the power of the internet. And he legit does grow orchids. Here is an excerpt from a 2011 column in the Santa Barbara Independent called Getting a Grip on Perry. Pop culture insights from the god of new media. Here's the quote. Out for coffee, a little girl came up to came up and showed Perry a drawing that she did. I half expected her to be an autograph seeker, a waffle song groupie. But no one in the coffee shop knew the guy who penned the number one ringtone in America, wrote the Buffy song, or was my son's hero. Yet he has millions of fans, and he makes a living augmented by orchid sales. Recently retired president of the Santa Barbara International Orchid Show. His day job is his family's business, the Santa Barbara Orchid Estate. Yes, this is all one man, and he's funny and nice to boot. So yes, Perry Grip, front man of... Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> ...of uh, Nerf Herder and so much more. He's everywhere. He does loads of music for kids, for TV shows. He had video skits on G4's Attack of the Show, plus a bunch mm. of other stuff. And if you were wondering... What Perry's summer of 2010 number one best-selling ringtone was called? It's yes. called "This Is My Ringtone," and you're listening to it now. This is my ringtone. It's on my iPhone. No, you don't have one. You're on the horizon. I waited in line. That's how I got mine. You set your butt at home. You got no iPhone. Yeah. Everybody look at me. I got 3G. Everybody look at me. I got 3G. Everybody look at me. Okay, all right, we'll stop. Oh, you better not. I know you want to hear it, but you don't get to hear it, and I'm sorry. I know. It's uh, fine. You, you can listen to care. the episode when Daniel yeah, releases it, and then you'll hear it. I'll just find out with the rest of the general public. <laughs> no insider knowledge for me working on this podcast. No benefits. Okay, your turn. Oh, God. Um, I just... I. I feel like I don't want to know. This is probably cursed knowledge, but I also do want to know what the story is with Xander's Aquaman under ruse. I know, right? Yeah. But we'll never get to know. I just have to assume. He, there was an accident. He, he shit them. There was, <laughs> there was a tragic accident. <laughs> oh, God. Daniel? We have to talk about it. We like the same things. Italian skate punk, Robert Parker novels, fighting <laughs> yes! evil. So I looked up the year 2000, and she said, we like Italian. So I looked up Italian 2003. Uh, the Italian Job came out, starring Mark Wahlberg. Right. Came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. The remake. Um, along with the year 2005, it was the only year with a break in the show The Sopranos. Classic Italian-American TV mm-hmm. show. Ever heard of it? Um, between okay. season four and five. And also an Italian blackout. The entire continent, continent, the entire country of Italy had a blackout for 12 hours in 2003. Oh. Did you know that? I, I had no not. idea. Skate punk. What a great year. I was in high school. 
was a junior in high school. A lot of these records really came it came flooding back for me. So I looked up skate punk records. Skate punk, um, it's going to be different theoretically than punk. So I try to get skate punk bands like that are different than punk bands. Like Against Me came out in 2003, but they're not really skate punk. Right. So the skate punk bands, as we would know them in 2003, Rancid, mm-hmm. Indestructible, Anti-Flag, uh, Terror State, No Effects, War on Errorism. Uh, there's a band called Black Cross, Art Offensive. These ones are mine that I listen to in my own list. The Grab Ass Charlton's, the greatest story, I, the greatest story I ever hulued. Swinging Utters, Dead Flowers, Bottles, Bluegrass, and Bones. The Bouncing Souls, None More Black, File Under Black, Rise Against, RPM, and Paint It Black, uh, CVA. Uh, if I Sing the Sorrow also came out. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Arms came out. The Thermal Strike Anywhere. So there's a lot of great punk in that season, but I I would love to know what Kennedy is listening to i don't buy it i don't buy any of that stuff robert parker he died in 2010 he is famous for the spencer series spencer confidential came out as a television show in the year 2020 remember that year guess what who starred in it mark Wahlberg, also the star of the italian job i didn't realize <laughs> that we were going to make connections like this the Wahlberg there are, connection. <laughs> there are 30 the the 30th spencer novel came out called backstory in the year 2003 and Widow's Walk came out in 2002, so I, I, maybe she's reading one of those. The 40th one was the final one before he died. Moulin Rouge, it came out in 2001. Doesn't really count. But the two-disc collector's edition with the soundtrack and the movie came out in 2003. Speaking, it was not a great year for speaking. Nelson Mandela did a famous speech uh, somewhere at, like, I think the WTO or something like that. But it was a bad year because it was also George Bush's State of the Union and the push mm-hmm. to the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Not great. And now it's 20 years this March. Fucking crazy. Freckles. Yeah. Guess what? Freckles are fucking in. Rebecca Dana <laughs> from the Washington Post had an article, and I in August of 2003 that said, Freckles, a look that's finally spot on. Ross Burton, artistic <laughs> director... Ross Burton, artistic director of Landcore Cosmetics, said, Freckles are a symbol of freedom. Freedom from makeup, freedom from cover-ups, freedom to be yourself. The freckle is now beautiful, he says. Um, nothing about licking freckles. I cannot find that. It could be a kink. It didn't come up on Google. I have no idea. Uh, and then finally, Magic. I typed in Magic 2003. The first and only hit I got was the Orlando Magic. They went 42-40. and 40. They made the playoffs. They lost in the first round of the Detroit Pistons. So... Nothing about there Magic the Gathering that year? No, no. I looked journeys? up then magic novels, and there's like, you know, there's plenty of that yeah. shit, but we only care about the Orlando Magic. This is a Jaguars Orlando Magic podcast. <laughs> Florida professional sport Florida. team podcast. <laughs> That's it. So, anyways, there's there's Kennedy's breakdown of her her fake interests. I just have to oh, say. thank you. Yes. Knowing that definitely makes me feel more in touch with her character and more like she means every word <laughs> that she says. She, she read that Freckles article and was like, yeah, I love it. Uh, this is just a fun, David Solomon's a funny guy thing. Uh, when Spike's screaming in pain in the background, David goes, oh, God, that sounds painful. Drew, yeah, I saw that. Must be really hurting. David said, yeah, he's acting. He's good. <laughs> just like, the way that he says so, because it's so dry and perfect. He, um, I think him and Rebecca Rankershner do one more episode together this year and I think it's one with a commentary and I can't wait to listen to it because they were so fucking funny during Hell's Bells just comedy gold Drew didn't bring the, the comedy pain as much but yeah. David Solomon's so funny anyway you had to be there listen to the commentary <laughs> <laughs> Buffy assumes that when she sees uh, Warren slash Willow that he must be the first and her first thought is to punch the non-corporeal spirit well to see if it is the first 
Oh, is that what she was yeah, thinking? Yeah, I think she was doing a first test, yeah. I don't think she was. It, that was just her. I mean, it could just be Slayer gonna punch. I think, yeah, that was her, like, just true reaction. Fuck this guy, and you're punching at him. I mean, it could be. But, I, yeah, I just assumed she was doing a first, first test. Because if, well, if it was a first test, why wouldn't you just touch him? Yeah, true. It was a lot of power for no reason. I liked it, though. <laughs> Whatever. I didn't think I was going to get so much pushback on that. I'm sorry. Buffy is an unhinged maniac that doesn't think twice before she acts, which is true a lot of the time. Whatever. <laughs> Just yeah. true. That's absolutely true. Um, remember the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? I actually own that on DVD, and I don't remember except for Sean Connery was in that movie. I have no idea what else happened. Or I mean, I never saw I it, that. but I do know that. I do know he was in it. I owned the movie. I went to the movie in movie theaters, and I couldn't tell you what happened. Why was I doing these things? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it was a comic. I'm pretty sure they're referencing the comic like it's supposed to be. Oh, really? Well, the that movie comic definitely came out can. in this time. Yeah. But I, oh. yeah, I think that's what they're saying is that the, the new Extraordinary Gentleman came out. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, past. I think that's what they're talking about. I don't know, though. Fair. Here's another... David Solomon, unprompted, nothing to do with the episode, maybe? Oh, no, it does have something to do with the episode. Great. David Solomon. Now, here's a little story. This is a big overhead shot here. They're talking about being in the initiative with all the flashlights. But when we get down in their face, there's a steady cam walking in front of them, and the steady cam man named Bill Brayman, fantastic cameraman, is wearing mylar on his shirt. So every time they point their flashlights at the camera, it shines forward and they light themselves up. So that entire scene was actually lit only by flashlights. It's very cool. It's like the only time they ever un, you know, underlit a scene in their show. And yeah, to, in order to get the, because how are we going to see the, the actors? They just have a guy in a steady cam. And it's just bouncing the light off with a big fucking mirror, basically. And that was really good. Drew, uh, Drew Gerberg said that that was his favorite shot was, you know, when the guy's in the background going across the window. Um, it was pretty good and scary stuff. Scary stuff for the show. Okay, Stacia. I don't understand why Kennedy kissing Warren would turn her back into Willow at the end. Because we had that line about fairy tales. I yeah, that doesn't make on. any sense. Because we had to un-McGuffin. We had to do it. So if a kiss started it, why Look, doesn't a kiss fix that? I'm not looking for a reason. I'm just saying I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. <sighs> Whatever. Okay, cool. Next time you talk, I'm going to not say anything. Thank you. <laughs> just explaining all my questions like I'm actually asking for something. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is more of a rhetorical moment. Yes. <laughs> We're supposed to just be yelling. Yeah. I get think, it now. Do you think that I like functionally didn't understand what they were doing? I don't know. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't understand stuff all the time. You had to, I wrote the words actors and assumed they meant literal actresses and actors and did not understand it until you read my own words We've to me. We've been doing this since like season two. Daniel, it's your turn. <laughs> wow. Uh, I love a good moral dilemma. The show doesn't always do that kind of stuff uh, because Buffy has been recently, as of late, the law. So everything she says is just the way things are. And that's, that's right. kind of, mm, I don't know, not that great for storytelling. So I enjoy <laughs> a um, repair, or remove the chip, right? I mean, at least it's a, a dilemma. Mm. We might not spend a fucking other iota even talking about it because she's the law. She'll just do whatever. But it is cool that it was like, what do you want to do? And I think that's an interesting maybe, you know, for at least for a week for the audience to be like, hmm, well, what, what should she do? What should she do? And, you know, I don't even remember what she does, but. Well, I was going to ask, what do you think? Whatever. What's your guess? I'm going to guess remove just because I don't know where he to prove that he has a soul because then she can just kill him and then he sacrifices himself and it's nice. Stacia, what's your guess? Do you remember? I don't remember. 
And I don't, I don't really have a guess on what she does, but I know what I would do. I would remove it. Yeah. Basically because you've already told me that this chip is going to fail again in four years and I don't want to have to try to call another like Chinese restaurant in Ohio (laughs) to track you down to fix it again. And also if he he has a soul and if that's not going to keep him from killing people, then I guess I'm just going to stake him. Yes. Basically less administrative work for me as this layer. It feels redundant at this point. If you can't schedule a, a, you know, a meeting four years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to come and repair the chip, yeah, I'm not into it. So, <laughs> I'll handle this myself. Thanks, initiative. Yes. Okay, back to the commentary. David Solomon. Okay, so now we're in the backyard, Buffy's house. This is the actual backyard of Buffy's actual house. <laughs> Drew, by the way, this was the first time that I'd ever actually gone. Yeah, in the two years that I was on the show, this was the only time I actually did anything in the backyard. I don't know wow. how you people put up with that for seven years. Oh, my God, it was impossible. What a nightmare, David. Well, you know, it was a really far drive, and there's an endless amount of noises there. There are trains, there are planes, there's a blimp that flies overhead, Drew. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that there was a hot air balloon that went over at one point, and there was actually a brass band in the basket. (laughs) David, it's a noisy, distant location, but you know, it became Buffy's house, and we couldn't let that go, Drew. No, I guess not. Although, I was determined after... After this, to at some point, at least in my fan fiction, to write an episode where the house blows up. The only reason I made a note of this is because, Daniel, I think last year you were like, do we ever see Buffy's house before? The backyard? Like before the you yeah. know, the scene in, in Seeing Red? And we had a couple times, like um, Buffy being out on the steps with Spike mm-hmm. um, when she's sad because Joyce is dying or whatever. Mm-hmm. Them um, sitting out there in like the... All of them, right? They were all. Oh, after her death, after she came back from the dead, when she was de- dead, they were right all in afterlife. They were like lounging talking, in the back, yeah, yeah, talking and, about her, yeah. But it like it. We definitely don't do it often, and it does feel pointed and weird when it happens. And you had yeah. asked if um, I think the facade of their house was a real house, and yeah. So I guess the facade yeah. shots and like them walking up to the house every time you see sixteen thirty Ravello Drive. Not only I knew that was a real house, but the backyard, it's the actual backyard of that same house, which is Wild. seems unnecessary, right? Like, yeah. we would never know what the back of that house looks like. So why, if that's such an untenable lo- filming location, go to someone else's fucking backyard. Who cares? Anyway, yeah. I just thought that was a nugget that I needed to tell you all about Buffy. Well, they're backyard. like, we can't afford those actors, so we can't afford that bench to recreate the same shot when, you know, um, Warren shows up with a gun. So we should just go back there and call them. And hopefully they didn't get rid of that bench. Because if right. they did, that's really going to eat into next week's budget. And we're not going to be able to afford an actor next We can't. Week. It's a bench or a man does not coming back. It's one of the two. That's all we, we, can, we can do. <laughs> just cut the last scene. We're not doing it. She's not getting a gun. Fuck it. Oh shit! Uh, that's that's all I have. Station, what what uh, what's what you got? Uh, the last thing that I really want to say is that although the initiative's never been my favorite, my I do love that Buffy had to call some random flower shop and try to yell at the person working there about <laughs> Agent Finn and that Spike's chip is malfunctioning, and it was amazing. And I wish we'd had more of that in season four. <laughs> Just like yeah. general confusion of is this a government conspiracy or is this an actual flower shop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did not play with that enough. The last one that I have is the fight was so dark that I wasn't sure if I was watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer or the Battle for Winterfell in the show that must not be named. <laughs> then I started thinking about it more because I just put that down. And then I was like, you know what's really f- fucked up? Like that ending when it's like, I'm getting the hang of magic. 
you know, and the whole thing about fairy tales and the kissing to undo it. Do you remember Jason Concepcion during like after Game of Thrones ended? He had like that 20 minute monologue like you had a fantasy story. You built it on the back of fantasy storytelling and then you were embarrassed by it. So you dropped it and and you fucking completely dropped the entire season and the series and the show. The show is still shit. I'm still I'll maintain that even three years later. And it just got me thinking about this. Like, it's almost as if they're embarrassed by magic. And that's why we didn't do the Wicca thing. And we just kind of move on from it because, I mean, how shitty is that? Like, she fucking hates magic. And she's like, I get the hang of it. And I'm just going to kiss you again. And like a little fairy tale princess, you're going to come back. And now you're mine and we're together. And it's it's all cool. And you're just going to accept it, crowd. It's no shitty and undermining and demeaning. The way that she, she even says that in the bronze too, where she's like, I mean, I don't get any of that magic bullshit, but it matters to you, so I guess I care about it. It's like, man. Don't who says stuff like that? Who says on. it like that? Yeah. If you don't like magic, that's all cool, but like then why are you even with somebody? Like that that's who says shit like that? It's fucked up. Yeah, we don't have to like all the same things, but you don't have to be a dick. You're a dick. Absolutely. <laughs> I just wonder what the writers, I mean, that's such a weird storyline, and again, maybe you're just trying to sell us on on fucking her but like you know the magic element i mean i said it before like it's like willow was tapping out for the season and we already did our magic stuff tara was magic this was magic we did magic all last year we're done with magic and i feel like then just don't bring it up then just stop it yeah i mean keep willow keep willow literally unable to do magic if you really are trying to back away from it because you're embarrassed or because you just don't want to commit or you don't know how to write it anymore whatever they just don't have her do it you don't need her to do it till the very fucking last episode so we can just say now that willow needs it to be the one who is the one she is the one fantastic or just you know make some bullshit up about the the scythe is what unlocked her powers again yeah because we're gonna have an old lady pop out of a coffin or a crypt in the woods with a with a scythe if we can do that, we can just say that no Willow suddenly got her power. <laughs> You're saying words, and I don't, I don't, can't see them, but I love it. What are they called? The keepers, I think. God, I don't remember. What are you talking? Guardians. About? I have they really no put idea like the littlest about. amount of effort into naming these things. Yeah, I think for this show specifically, you know, with the real world constraints of filming the television show, I think you have to hobble Willow. Um, because you can't do HBO money magic shit. Oh, I you know. know. And, and I'm sure that they're embarrassed by even the CG as it gets better and they're still kind of stuck because they have no money. I would feel that pain too. But in a way, I kind of wish they just leaned in. I mean, 20 years later, we make fun of the CG all the time because we have to because now movies are just pure CG. But it is kind of twee and wonderful to like watch little blue gobs run across the screen and Ooh, know that somebody spent four minutes doing it. It's like, I love that. It's so good. You know, the snake monsters alone. Is that not worth the price of admission for Buffy? Like, <laughs> they're incredible. The penis coming out of that lady's head. You can't do that today. You know, you can't do that. That's art. It's true. Oh, man. We've truly lost something in this world. Yeah, we have. It didn't work? No, it didn't, you dumb bitch. Willow. You slapped me. Well, please. Update us on the watches. I wasn't watching out for the watches, so I hope you were. It is your job. Uh, it is my job. The Xander Outfit Construction Watch. No, there's no. I didn't see any of that. Maroon Jacket Watch slash Anya Belt Alert. No, don't care. Not really paying attention. Although I did see, um, what's her name? 
the one we've been talking about, Kennedy. She's got that nice little brown jacket. I did like that. That was like a nice leather jacket. Dawn's piercing screams. I'm almost positive Dawn did not scream in the episode. I don't think so. Unless she like squealed when she fell on Giles. I don't know. But I didn't catch that. Chips Ahoy. Wow. I was like the blast from the season four like preview. You know, the. <laughs> I know the previously on where you see Riley too. She's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Wild. So yeah, instantly on the preview, the painful stuff. I mean, it is painful. It looks so painful. Mm-hmm. Um, he really sells how much that. That sucks. And the chip uh, is degraded. Uh, so dumb. So dumb. Uh, the little is bad. No, we don't fight any vampires, if I'm sure not mistaken. Don't. Buffy has a personality. Now, this is going to be controversial, but I said yes. And she's. I said she's an enabler of child predation. And <laughs> She is. I, Are you making tea? Have fun delivering the tea. <sighs> okay, not when you make it sound all dirty like that. It's bad. She's also a really bad secret agent. She gave herself away with that flower thing, so not very smooth. Mm-hmm. She's a terrible Slayer teacher as well because Kennedy was clearly not sick and in the room after she punched Warren slash Willow. Right. And instead of being like, bitch, what are you doing here? You need to be in the desert learning valuable. And I will put that in quotes, valuable, quote unquote, <laughs> um, Slayer information. Why are you doing here? She's also very prone to conspiracy, government conspiracy theories. So I'm kind of iffy on what she would be like in 2023. But, oh you know, it is what it is. Oh, no, Buffy. <laughs> I know. To Hoffman watch, no. But revenge was on the plate on in this episode, and it, he could have worked. He could have been here. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Um, most valuable weapon, Sunnydale cell phones. No. Um, also, I want to bring this up. They brought up the hit movie. Ghostbusters. Spike said, who are you going to call? And they were like, you know, and I'll be really honest with you. The answer is 20 years because when they said that and they were like, well, I can't use that anymore. I was genuinely like, what are you talking about? Oh, you and I was like, oh yeah, uh, I was immediately like Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course, of course. I mean, yeah, I know that, but I'm saying like in 2002, I would have just said it reflexively. Right. But now 20 years later, I'm like, it a took me a second. Distance. Wow. We're slowly, we're getting, we're getting away. We're getting there. <laughs> the world is healing. Slowly escaping <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> Who are you going to call? And it's like Mike. Later. Oh, Ghostbusters, you mean? No, I was going to call Mike. Um, Mike <laughs> speaking of Mike, Michael Wicca, Amy Gothwatch. Yeah, you're goddamn right. Amy's oh, yeah. here. Oh, yeah. What's and up? The What's group? up, Amy? The Wicca group. Come on. And bake sales. I mean, you got everything but Michael. If Michael showed up. Oh, <sighs> my God. Michael. If Michael was a part of that no. group. That would be incredible. <laughs> Why wasn't Michael there? Get Michael in the gang. Oh, man. Michael? Michael had better stuff to do. I guess. He does. He's living a different life. He's like in, off in like Colorado somewhere or something. Just Oh, he was on Third Rock life. from the Sun. That's where he was. That's right. You guys said and that. They were in Ohio. Uh, Ohio. There you go. There's too many damn kids in the summer's house. And I said, yes. Uh, obviously, you need a break from the constant pitter patter of teenage girly feet. Uh, when you need that, you have a problem. Um, <laughs> I did say, oh, I mean, this is what I said about if if Ken- Kennedy was 18 years old, she would be paying rent. What are we doing here? Is this a halfway house for teen girls? Yeah, we've already gone, gone over all of that. Uh, by the way, is Willow okay? Mm, surprised to say no, she is not okay. <laughs> she has absolutely no boundaries at Buffy's home. Buffy complains to Spike about nobody doing the dishes. We go upstairs. And, and Willow is adding another dish to the pile of dishes she has not done. She's making tea for more glasses that she will never do. We never confront her 
for not paying rent or doing dishes. It is amazing. And I love it. I love the kid gloves that we have for Willow. She is sipping a virgin pina colada, I assume. But if she's 18, she's still underage. But she talks like she's a heavy drinker, Kennedy. Just getting drunk and taking advantage of people. That's her game. Uh, It's everybody's game probably in this show. But, you know, I feel like I wrote down that, Willow, why are you acting like such a basic bitch? And I mean that. Why are you so enthralled by this really basic person? How do you not see what she's doing? Very embarrassing. And um, yeah, and I just said, you know, a runaway teen is manipulating you. And that's pretty bad. And obviously Tara, the Tara, all the Tara stuff, awful. You know, turning into Warren, that's a nightmare. And I killed her and and all the whole three minutes. Again, another great three minute ending and very sad. Oh, I will say the the best thing that Kennedy got to say in this episode is when she said Tara and Willow says, don't say her name. She will get to say her name. I was like, that's the best thing Kennedy did in this episode. Say her name. (laughs) Yeah, I would say Tara so that Willow could yell at her. (laughs) Every time she there was so much of that, too. It's like a classic, like uh, season two episode of Buffy. All the slut. You slut. You bitch. That's great. (laughs) Not a kiss slut. You're kissing everywhere. You kiss slut. All you you do is try to kiss people. (laughs) Took advantage of me because I won pina colada. It was virgin pina. But I'm not a virgin. Uh, Okay. Okay. So books a million. There is a stack. There's a stack of books after she turns into Warren. And all I could read was Modern Chemistry. That is one book on the top of the books. It says Modern Chemistry. I can't read any of the rest. And Buffy suggests researching the chip and Spike puts her in her place by telling her she's stupid and she deserves that because you can't look up <laughs> chips in old books. And I thought that was great. So you can add that to personality wise. Buffy doesn't think before she talks streets ahead. It's nice to see Maple Court. That's it. So I say no because we went there, which was really nice, but oh, right, I don't yes. think there was anywhere new. We went to the initiative place, you know, a lot of old friends, but nothing new. And then finally Giles because KO. Uh, yeah. Nobody cares about his absences at this point. And it's like apparent right from the beginning. No one gives a shit that you're leaving. And that's sucks for you. You dunk on the hokey pokey dance sucks for you. Um, <laughs> he made it harder uh, again with all of his driver's license stuff. And the fact that nobody hugged Giles the whole time is so insane to me. And he's really coming off as like the worst watcher in the world. And I know he's not really a watcher anymore, but like either do or don't. What are we doing, man? So, you're just a bad friend at this point too, man. Watch her aside. Come on. You need to give her some money. As well, as I still <laughs> yeah. stand by that. Pay Buffy Summers. Sorry. Pay that's Buffy a trademark Summers. of another podcast. We can't say that anymore. Hmm. What podcast? Oh, apparently that's like a, a slogan of um, of the oh, podcast no. that shall not be named. They have like the number one. The number one. The number one. Hmm. <sighs> I feel like we made that up. I mean, Stacia was saying that. Yeah, I'm just going to say that we did it second first. happen. Yeah. So... We need a historian to go back and listen to our episodes and find the first time we said that and then compare it to the number one. And then we can sue them. Yes. Fucking sue the shit out of them. Yes. That's what they deserve. (laughs) Financial ruin. (laughs) For a podcast they don't even know exists. That's right. We're coming for you. (laughs) Get that joy money. That J-O-Y money. Joy money. The host of the podcast we're not allowed to say. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. She just had a baby. And what's better than taking food out of their baby's mouth? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing is better than that. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. Take their money away for us. Oh, God. Is that the the end of the watches? That's it. Oh, yeah. Thank you, bitch. Giles Big Scale. Yeah, we're done. Oh, shit. Wow. Has anyone seen Giles touch anything since he got back? 
hold anything? Has anybody hugged him? Think very hard. Okay, finally. I can't believe we made it. I didn't think we were going to for a minute there. It is time to rank this sucker. Willow Hacks slash we talk about the net slash something Wicca this way comes. Oh, that's a three. We had some hard times. We had some hard times. Amy and I guess Kennedy are the only ones doing magic in this episode. Willow says she attempts a spell off screen and fails at it and then can't use computers to get information on Spike's chip. That's two L's for the Will. Because they didn't have a website. Right, as if that was going to be public domain, just like, oh yeah, www.governmentchips.com. Here's Is this schematics. how she does all of her research? <laughs> this one's labeled Hostel 17. I mean, I honestly think, I'm starting to think that that was all Willow's skill set was Googling shit, but no one knew how to use a search engine back then. They were harder to use for what it's worth. But no. like, she straight up Googled evil or whatever, just like Buffy did. But that's not true, because she broke into the school's records at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She used to have skills, they are gone. Yeah. But they have a they website. Gone. But they have a website, have a website, and the website has the data. Oh, God. So they just needed to get on the website that has the data. Three. Three for Willow. Uh, Dawn needs an adult. Dawn is not in this episode. She gets a five. <laughs> Monster of the Week. Uh, the mole demon thing, though barely seen, is pretty gross looking. It's cool. I got the, like, the Nosferatu mole teeth thing. Pretty cool. And the creepy yeah. in the background is great. Uh, and Amy. We fucking love Amy. Yeah. Big fan of Amy. So I gave it an eight love for Monster Amy. of the Week. Power! No one woman should have all that power. And even Amy herself. It's about power. Thank you for that. Now, for the first mm-hmm. time this season, the power of guilt is the driving force of the episode. Willow mis- Willow's misplaced guilt over betraying Tara's memory by starting to move on with another relationship is powerful enough that she triggers the body snatcher hex. Execution aside, I think it's a great plot line and one that feels reasonable for Willow's character. So I gave that a 10. Powerful mm-hmm. power this episode. Relationship goodness or badness? Willow and Kennedy bum me out hard. Buffy and Spike are getting along well, but no one has paid attention to Giles at all since he's been back, and that's a pretty big L for relationships. <laughs> Five. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess David Solomon had a little line about the Giles thing. See, now apparently they just didn't watch Giles. Giles is only eating in the middle of the night, and goodness knows Giles never brushed his teeth. And then they also had a derogatory line about how British people... Don't take care of their teeth. And I was like, I am too good to put this in the podcast. But here I am repeating it anyways. But here I am repeating (laughs) slander here. Oh, man. Episode specific. The last scene with Willow, you know, the we should have been forever. That whole thing is just excellent. Uh, So that was probably the highlight. But uh, Kennedy ruins it, as we mentioned, with her like, I guess I am good. And her dumb, like, deadpan, emotionless uh, fairy tales, whatever. It bums me out, that part. And it's too long to say. So instead, my episode specific is, ha, government conspiracy. I knew it. <laughs> Seven out of ten. I really liked that line. I also liked the very beginning of the episode where Giles was like, oh, heavens, no, nothing bad ever happens when I leave. Uh, there was a cut line of dialogue where he says, like, like you dying and Willow going evil and all those things, which they should have left into Don Carter on Buffy. But she's like, that's not exactly how I said it when he's, she's talking about going out into the, the desert with the, the, the children. And it was very early Buffy. Like, it felt so season three about, like, you know, talking to her, him and Wesley and just like, when we used to have fun. And I really like that. So when she was like, ah, government conspiracy is like, oh, Buffy. I remember when you used to have fun and not just constantly speechify and look after Spike. Those were better days. 
Anyway, <laughs> 7 out of 10 for that. Total of 38 for the episode. That puts that 7 of 13 for the season above Never Leave Me and Below Help. This ended up being much higher than I thought it would be, but I felt I just didn't hate it as much. The premise. The premise took it a long way. Adam Bush took yeah, it a long way. Yeah. Amy took it a long way. And I, after, again, four episodes of nothing fucking happening, I felt that this was more fun and better and more engaging than that. Kennedy is the worst. So that's saying a lot. That this episode, where we just dunked on Kennedy for 45 minutes, was still better than the four episodes of Slog that we have gone through recently, in my opinion. Anyway, mm. Stacia, where did you rank this episode? Uh, I put this at 120 out of 135. See? Low. Low is yeah. right. Uh, it's below This Year's Girl and The Replacement and above Tough Love and As You Were. Above Tough Love? Yeah. Isn't Tough Love where Tara gets her brain sucked? Yeah. I didn't like that episode. I mean, it's sad, but it's good. No, it's not. I mean, I'm sure the we multicultural about fair. The multicultural fair, that's right. I'm not feeling real multicultural right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> sorry, anyway. Uh, okay, yes, please tell me the plot synopsis. Uh, Willow kisses a child and turns in a warren. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Buffy calls a flower shop. Everyone touches Giles. <laughs> that might be the best one, yeah. <laughs> the, the lack That's of truly context. Unhinged. That's the truly unhinged. Lack of context. This is 2023 TikTok energy. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Excellent job. Fantastic. Daniel, where did you rank this? Uh, one second. I'm loading in where it is. Um, I have, uh, last week I said I wanted to have every episode of Buffy and every episode of Angel, and I wanted to put 712 underneath all of them because I was so fed up with it. Oh, right. And I, I don't feel the exact same about this, but this episode sucked. And if I could put it lower, I really would. But I've run out of numbers. Yes, you have. Mm-hmm. So it has to go somewhere. So... It has to be number 116, which is my lowest that I have. So 116 out of 137, it is above the I and team, fittingly, and all the way. Hey, which we was our trivia question last time. Um, and Showtime. So it's uh, technically better than Showtime, even though I don't know if that's true. Jesus, see, again, I, I fucked everything up. It's terrible. Um, and technically, <laughs> and technically, the pack is better than it, which, well, that's debatable. Uh, the Initiative, hey, another apropos. And Where the Wild Things Are, are, are the three above it. So, tough stuff. Yeah, 116, it was really bad. Um, I think we've made it clear why that is. And it's, uh, it's a bummer. Uh, this season, this doldrum is, like, I think weaker than season six, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. this really sucks i'm really disappointed so far with this so uh so this is usually where i ask you if you have anything else to say about the episode but that just reminded me of something that i want to say about the episode so Mm -hmm. do you think pacing wise because this is a a departure right we had our bullshit line last week or whatever where it's like oh the the first is on vacation so now we can do other fun stuff i was like this is stupid this doesn't make sense i know this is the arc that we take every year where we're like introduce the bad guy the bad guy goes away then we bring the bad guy back then the bad guy goes away then we bring the bad guy back and i get it but i feel like it might again it might be more organic if we kind of didn't fuck with the bad guy until much later so we can top load the season with more fun stuff instead of weirdly being like this is the worst thing that's ever happened in the universe of the show but it's gone for a little while so let's take a breather and have some fun do you feel like structurally for the season 
if we would have waited to introduce the potentials and waited to introduce the first aspect and had some more fun in season seven, that that would have felt good? Or am I like totally off base? I think that if they had done that at this episode, you'd be like, why are they just introducing the big bad now? You think so? Absolutely. Well, I don't know. Daniel, what do you think? They did in season four. I mean, we talked about it at the time because oh, right. Adam, Adam yeah. was a later edition. I personally think that that's a better option all around. Um, I think that season six, I think, was so strong because the trio are a bunch of human people that it's really understandable in a lot of ways. You can yada yada why they human beings don't do stuff because they have lives that we understand. Whereas right, yeah. demons, the first evil why? What do you do? What errands do you have to run that you can't be tormenting <laughs> Spike anymore? You know right. what I mean? Like that's it doesn't really work. That's why season six is like great. What happens then? Do we just move these episodes a little bit sooner and then sort of like move stuff later? Like how would you structure it? Because then it's like, well, this ep- these episodes have sucked. And yeah, I think anyways, you. I think so. we'd really have to slower play the potential thing, where like you can either do the cold open, more of the cold open with the girls being murdered, um, or even just like spend some time with the council, where like we're dipping in for some reason. Like we've had reports that these children are being murdered. We're pretty sure they're slayers. Blah blah blah. We don't really know what's going on, and then just slow play it till till the end and really ramp it up. Because the beginning was so iconic and great, and like the the because he was being tormented by the first, you almost have to do that right away. I don't want to like move. Uh, beneath you later. I don't want to move the great beginning. I mean, the first episodes of the season were so really fucking good. So the, you know, you need to introduce the first, but then it's like, it sucks because when they do that, you know that it's going to go away in episode 10 or whatever. And then it's like, okay. Yeah, you would have to We have to wait till 16. Yeah. Wait till May. When May hits and we have the the final run of seven episodes, that's when they show up. And it's just so predictable TV wise that 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 era is long gone 20 years later. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up season four because I completely forgot that Adam's not introduced until like the 12th episode. It's the only one, though. The rest yeah. of them are all glory, Same too. Formula. Glory just disappears. Oh, yeah, yeah. For no, yeah, there's episodes there. where glory's not there. <laughs> Doing mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. And she lives there. It's even yeah, worse because she, she she's here. just there. I live here. She lives here and she's just sitting <laughs> doing what? Watching TV? Like, what? Yeah. Anyway, sorry to bring that up in the last second. Do you have anything else to say about the killer enemy, Stacia? No. Daniel, do you have anything else to say about the killer in me? No, thank God. Let's uh, let's greener pastures. Oh yeah, please, for the love of God, it's First finally eight. happening. It's finally Ashanti. happening. Ashanti is coming. <laughs> please join <laughs> us next week for first dates. Oh, Murda. <laughs> What's love? Okay, we're, we'll save it. We'll save it because Can't we will be Can't playing wait. those songs. <laughs> anyway, until then, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. Have fun publishing that podcast. Ugh, not when you make it sound dirty like that. <laughs> it's just BB Pod. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Bye! Remember when things used to be nice? No. Oops. Stop that whole big self Uh, no. I enjoy my responsibilities. Mentor, role model, life guide. Oh my god, I cannot live out of my bathroom all to myself. Two whole days. I heard you were pretty powerful Wicca, so... 
You heard right, mister. I I'm always ready to work some dark mojo. So, tell me, is it dangerous? Oh, no. Well, can we pretend it is? <laughs>